everybody, and welcome to episode 371 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Blackstaff Raparez. Who else is here with me in the Ronald Hayden Mystical Magical Memorial Studio of the Airwaves? Uh, Dildo Swaggins, Chris Antista. And my spirits are high, but my Thacko is low, Matthew Allen. And special guest. I am out there hunting races. I'm in the racist business. <laughs> and business is a booming. Nice. This is oh Cicero God. Holmes. Hi, Cicero. Thank you so Cicero much for joining Holmes. us. Uh, other than this show, where have people heard you? People may have heard me on the Spawn on Me podcast, formerly. People may also hear me currently on the Discovery Debrief podcast or the Incomparable Family of Podcasts or as playing your favorite halfling bard on <laughs> twitch.tv d- slash dnds wizards of the coast own rivals of Waterdeep. <laughs> i play the one and only mr perrin underboob and very nice because of rivals of Waterdeep, you are a what semi-professional fully professional dungeons and dragons player we wanted to get you on this show where we talk about the five greatest Dungeons & Dragons video games, according to us. Oh my god, please don't be mad at me. <laughs> because I probably got it wrong. I think I think I what we determined, what Michael, when we were putting together the list is a lot of the greatest ones are very, very similar in nature. So I think yes. what we ended up doing is we're trying to pull out maybe the greatest by a theme or the greatest yeah. one or two by a theme. Well, I've, I've gone through several dramatic swerves in my reasoning while putting this together. I've done my best to play as much of these games as possible. I'm relying a lot on rose-tinted memories and things that other people have written about them online, and uh, I think I've come up with a pretty good rationale for why I fucked it up as badly as I did. Uh-huh. So- <laughs> I, I don't know shit about D&D, and one of these on here I revisited, and yeah. I had an amazing time. It's still a blast to play. Mm-hmm. I know exactly which one you're talking about. But yeah, it's a it's a crazy week outside of video games. It's not much of a week inside of video games, although there is a lot of news that has happened that uh, will have happened by the time that this airs that we won't be talking about, like the PlayStation Five reveal event. And oh boy, I'm sure IGN has more big reveals planned. We've only seen like the first day of them so far. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll, yeah, all the all the we'll big releases got out of the week. The big releases got out of the way, assuming E3 was going to happen, yes. and so, it, uh, yes, it's kind of an empty release that's week. That's what it is. I was wondering, it's like, why is there just this <laughs> void this week? It's And and sort of the last couple of weeks and next week, it's it's it goes empty, although one thing, one big thing slotted into next week uh, with The Last of Us 2, but that's because it got delayed. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's we're heavy on news this week, very light on new releases. So before we start in on our top five, as some of you out there in listener land know, I had a birthday last week. I turned 42, which, as we all know, awesome. Douglas, Douglas Adams fans know is the answer to life, the universe and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Matt, you got me something on Cameo that I want to play for people. Please do. I got something for you, Michael. Something that I think that you might like. And this is for your 42nd birthday. That's all for you. Happy birthday. Happy 42nd. Now, Matthew is asking me to say some stuff that I probably can't say because it's promoting stuff that I don't know about. (laughs) But I will promote you. And whereas he wants me to say that Apocalypse rules, I'm saying that Michael rules. 
Do your thing, man. Happy birthday. Thank you, Barrett. <laughs> he was in character the whole time. I tried. I tried to get him to say VGA rules. Uh, you know, close enough. Uh, they, they won't do that. I, I I tried to get David Hayter to say that, and he just returned my money without saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, John, I, I, I will give him credit. So John Eric Bentley did not return my money. And yeah, I I, ah, I even specifically asked for I said, you know, please do the victory chant. And he did it. And I, that was the most thrilling part to me. Oh, so. Yeah, that was great that was great so thank you for that matt of course Uh, (laughs) and while he might have some understandable reservations about promoting us i have no reservations about promoting him if you want to hire the voice actor behind barrett wallace in the final fantasy 7 remake to record a personal message for you or a friend go to cameo.com slash john eric bentley all right yeah so we are going to jump into our and i put stars around that our top five dungeons and dragons video games right after this would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste um, but King like, of Kong, great! You should watch it. It's, it's absolutely I, I may, fantastic. I've, I've probably seen bits and pieces. I know the guy you're talking people. about. I've showed that that documentary to people that aren't into video games, mm-hmm. and it's still fascinating. And, and, oh, and, yeah. and I, I, I was like you. I was watch, I was wrapped when Billy Mitchell was called out as a cheater, and I'm like, I am trusting. Wasn't all it the, like 30 years later or something? Like it was like recently. Like, yeah, like, about a year or like 2012. Wasn't and it? It's, like, it's 10 it years like, after the documentary. You've played Donkey Kong, right? I know you've played it at some point in your life. Because I watch a lot of people play this game. Like, I know that's super nerdy, but there's people that play it on Twitch all the time. And I just watch them. Sure, yeah. I'm trying to get better. Definitely. Right? So I watch strategies and I watch these different things. And the, the the biggest thing to me, outside of, you know, all the other accusations is, in the videos that they, that they you know, are saying, well, here's the evidence. Mm-hmm. The luck never seems to go against Right. There are times when the barrels just won't go down the ladder and you get lucky, but yeah. it, it seems like their, their big accusation was if you watch these tapes, it never goes bad. Yeah. And like a long game of Donkey Kong can take really? 35, 45 an hour. Mm-hmm. It can take a oh, long yeah. time. Absolutely. So to play a game that long and not have any bad luck. Yeah, because I think that's how some of those cheaters got busted because someone yeah. opened up that dragster game. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, yeah, you can't, dude, you have the guy a, who set the record is like, this is mathematically impossible according right. to the coding. Yeah. You can't do sure. that. That's another thing. It's a non zero percent chance. So the best of you can do, so, like, the, the best that, like, they, 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 they I love exactly. this about today's yeah. time. They took the code and they literally ran it through, like, the perfect game. Was it dragster? Did I get dragster, that right? oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, a Great yeah. game, by the way. I'm going to get that. I'm going to tie that record. That's because you suck at it, but. But basically, yeah. all the great games you can complete in 16 seconds. You, really? Oh. How, how long have, have you run a five five seven yet? Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna... In real life, on the jock <laughs> PE court. So, uh, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so the way that game works is get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash Laser Time. And we're back to talk about what? Michael's top five Dungeons & Dragons video games. Yes. Mine, Not ours. Not ours. Don't, you can't don't let me them. in with those, man. No, don't let me in with your opinions, Michael. <laughs> Just in case he's wrong, this is me covering my, my ass. My opinions right. are terrible. <laughs> As you will soon find out, let's begin with... Number five. Enough riches to make us all kings. There could be orcs around that bend. Can you really think of riches? I'm half drow. The drow. 
a race of murderers and thieves. <laughs> well, you won't see me playing hero, and I don't know why you feel the need. This is a game called Forgotten Realms Demon Stone, or as uh, Patrick Stewart playing Kelvin Blackstaff Aronson puts it, I trapped them in a demon stone where they would fight for all eternity. A demon stone. So this was a game that was made by the developers of Lord of the Rings Two Towers. <laughs> for those who remember that hack as, and slash. As they made sure to call out on the front of the box. Yes. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yes. Wait, the 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 AAAEA game? Yes. Yes. And wow. and this is very similar to it. It has a very similar feel with lots of like cinematic camera use. You're just kind of running through these big set pieces as these three characters, a, a warrior, a half-drow, half-wood elf thief, and a magic user. And uh, unwittingly, in the first, the first act of the game, you're trying to escape from a bunch of orcs. You unwittingly stumble onto a set of sigils and open a door and set loose a couple of extra-dimensional evil warlords, a a Githyanki and a Slod, who've been fighting each other because they were trying to overrun Faerun, the Forgotten Realms, and they'd get in each other's way if they didn't take each other out first. So this is one of the more interesting projects that have been done with Dungeons & Dragons and also definitely... One of the more overproduced, because not only does it feature the vocal talents of one Sir Patrick Stewart. Yes, I created an enchanted cell so no stray traveler could disturb the gem. But somehow, Gaul must have marked its walls. He found a way to reach out with his mind and draw you three to him. My father was right. No good came of me. But it also has a villain role played by the late Michael Clark Duncan. The silver sword of death. You will help me take things so much more quickly. You three turned out to be well worth my effort. You won't think so for long! But kind of, kind of an interesting gameplay setup where you are controlling all three characters simultaneously. Well, you're actually just controlling one at a time, but you can switch between them instantly. The other two will just run around with AI abilities. There's the fighter who is just really good for closing distances and hacking and slashing and just unleashing endless combos. The mage, as you'd probably figure, is good at launching magic missiles from a distance. And the thief can hide in shadows and backstab people, just jump on their shoulders and immediately take them out. And uh, because this is written by R.A. Salvatore, creator of Dritz Doerden, I, m- I might be mispronouncing that. You can correct me, Cicero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, listen, it doesn't come with a pronunciation uh, guide. Yeah, yeah, so. that's true. I, thought, I still have a free... There's there's one in the back of the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have a free audiobook I got from Audible, like, years ago. Oh, I got that, with, too. like... Ice tea reading one of those books. I really <laughs> oh, yes. to it. Hell yes. yeah. Oh, man. But, um, but Dritz does show up at one point. What kind of drow are you? Settled here with all your friends? You've let yourself be tamed. <laughs> I think my enemies would disagree. Besides, having allies makes us strong, not weak. You're here because your drow blood burns. But you'd have never come this far if not part of a team. The wood elf in you made that possible. Yeah, don't rub it in. Yeah, 
uh, and you do play as Stritzt uh, for a little bit. This this is still like a forgotten, strange chapter in Dungeons & Dragons uh, video game history. It has kind of an interesting pedigree to it. In that it the, feels like the end of the 80s that like if Atari and D&D can't team up together mm-hmm. at any point in history and yeah. be successful, nothing can work. Especially when one <laughs> of them is a French company and the other is secretly run by uh, people who created trading cards. That rival, like, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast through the Magic the Gathering people, the upstarts yeah. who ev- eventually, like, took over TSR. Yes. And... Yeah, not yeah, not not so secretly. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Making, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> making <laughs> Not cards. secretly at all, actually. It's kind of a big public thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so this was developed by Stormfront Studios, no relation to the neo-Nazi forum, which <laughs> had been around for a long-ass time. And had actually helped develop some of the original, like, gold box D&D games with SSI. And they were the developers of the original Neverwinter Nights, the, like, 1990 uh, MMO that was available only on America Online. Oh, jeez. So so they they helped forge some of D&D video game history, and then uh, they did Two Towers, they got tapped to do this for Atari and then eventually I think their last project was the Aragon game and then um, yes which I worked uh, on Sierra folded and, and they folded along with it and somewhere in there they ported Madden to PC yes yes they did like oh. it is almost all sandals and loincloth games and sports <laughs> and it's so weird <laughs> you know it's natural progression. What are you talking about? I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. I bet they all don't like my opinion on Gladiator. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. I, I do remember working on Aragon and just kind of like talking to the studio like, well, just do what you did on the Two Towers game. Like that's, you know, just do the Aragon version of that. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of what we were we were hoping for. And But then, I, you know, I don't think they exactly nailed it. Like for, there was something really special about that Two Towers game that they just nailed that. Yeah, I don't even think Demon Stone sort of got it right, you know? No. Because I think this got decent reviews across the board. I just, I don't know, like, I'm a, I'm big into video games. I am, I, no one ever even asked me to play D&D until, like, three years ago. So I, 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 I sometimes feel very out of the loop when I get in a conversation like this, because it, it's very weird for me to not know anything about something like this. It's been around that we long. We should talk about the hierarchy of nerddom and D&D's place in that said hierarchy because yes. it was <laughs> it was for a long time mm, okay, it's a step above larping, but it was pretty low bottom of it like like if you were to fall down right. the nerd tree, it's like right there under that tree. Like it's it's the foundation of most nerddom. But even a lot of nerds are like, oh, no, I don't I don't do tabletop D&D. And then I think it was probably, and sister, you'll probably correct my history. It was probably Will Wheaton's tabletop series and the more broad acceptance of tabletop board uh, board games coming back that people started to get into tabletop again. And then now it's it's climbed back to its rightful place as kind of the king of nerddom. Like it's it's a rite of passage. Like yeah, you're not truly a geek or a nerd until yeah. you play D&D. Absolutely. That's where it is today. But I'm trying to think if it was if it was Will Wheaton. I think Will Wheaton kind of blazed the trail. But I think Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. you know that show was incredibly popular, um, and you know people got to see them doing that. And then as more and more 
um, you know, B, C, B, and then and then A level stars started coming out and professing mm. their love. Yeah, like Vin Diesel. D&D. Right. Yeah. And I, and I feel right. like as, I feel like when I watch some of my friends grow out of video games and then grow up and we have to figure out how to socially interact, that board games and shit like this made a huge comeback in my in my friend group. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. On both coasts. And right. I'm still left. The out. problem with D and D is 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 <laughs> even a board game. You can find one that's a short session board game. Video games you can play in quick spurts. If you're going to play D&D, you have to have three to four hours blocked out minimum to get mm. anywhere. It's still it's still one of the most kind of like uh, barrier to entry uh, nerd yeah. things you can invest that, in. That's assuming you can get a group that is actually focused on the game and doesn't keep wanting to go off on weird tangents or talk about random bullshit. Oh, that's even the most hardcore <laughs> of groups. Uh, yeah, the, playing tabletop RPGs is an exercise in frustration for me. Someone who yeah. likes to play it's, most games It's like by a podcast. Myself, yeah, it's just uh, like, where are we going? <laughs> Speaking of the one, the one time I played, I I kept having to ask you guys: Was I infuriating the the DM? I feel like I couldn't answer a question that he liked. You were actually really I good. Think so you were, you you yeah. did fine. I I no, I felt terrible after that. Like I felt like I was playing the whole thing wrong. Mm. No, what's in your hand, <laughs> I think we're man? All there, playing is, wrong. there is there is right. There is no wrong way to play. But you, you so you, you guys want to hear something funny? Yeah, I have been playing D and D professionally uh, for two years. And uh, it was the first time. So when I sat down at D&D Live two years ago uh, and rolled my dice was the first time I'd ever rolled dice. Ooh, really? really? Um, yeah. Yeah. It was my first my first time playing because much like all other geeks and nerds, that was a level too far. D&D. And, and you know, I couldn't have been more wrong about it. So, like, the the interesting thing is now that I'm playing, I play my my normal game with D&D with uh for Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. with Rivals of Waterdeep and I've got my own game that I play with some friends locally all of our sessions I've never played a game that was longer than two hours wow. all of our sessions are two hours wow. two hours yeah. I, I it's think, impressive you know I think one of the allures of tabletop and this I can speak to this whole list we're going to have I think one of the problems D&D has had over the years is that video games are very structured and very much like this is the path you're going to go down this is this this tunnel right. the story tunnel Whereas D&D, despite the best planning of the best DMs, it, one part of the allure, at least for people like me, is you can create any adventure you want. It's very open-ended. And video games, probably up until fairly recently, they have a lot of problems being yeah. that open-ended in nature. Yes. And, and yeah. that's yes. that line that these games have always had to toe of, like, how open do we want it? And only the good ones have managed to toe that line and, and made it still fun to be open but still give structure, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of open-endedness and bringing it back to Demonstone, this is a very non-open-ended right. game. Yeah, it's it is very linear. Very linear. <laughs> the, the open-endedness comes from, I guess, like, well, which character do I want to play in this given situation? I'm Patrick Stewart, and I have five hours to do VO. That wasn't, that didn't even, <laughs> by the way, that sounded like scratch vocal of someone pretending to be Patrick Stewart, almost as if the guy in the booth's like, can you sound more Patrick Stewarty, please? Oh, you mean like engaged? Like yes. this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just gonna keep reusing that. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a hack and slashy brawler. Uh, probably out of all the games on this list, it respects D and D rules the least. Like it has upgrade paths for your characters, but they're not really tied that closely to anything in the game. Uh, that is dramatically different in this game. Number four. Ah! 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 
That just sounds like a lot of wailing, so why don't I just spell it out? Welcome to the D&D world. <laughs> I knew exactly what That's it was. That's what happens it sounded when you like sound, sounded like sounds coming out of an arcade speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, Dungeons & Dragons Shadow Over Mistara, the sequel to Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom. And I picked this one because it's uh, clearly a superior game. It gives you more characters to play around with. But... This is kind of kind of a trip like back in the days when Capcom put this out in arcades Dungeons and Dragons was sort of still divided between there was Dungeons and Dragons which is for basic babies and there's advanced Dungeons and Dragons which is for oh. nerdy kids who like to figure out what the fuck Thaco is <laughs> Wait, which is I there an easy way to, to hit against huh? armor class easy way to explain me the difference God damn it. <laughs> I've already is there, forgotten is the, is there an easy way to explain to your basic boy what the difference the is? Rules, the rules are more complex, or complicated for advanced. Yeah. Also, okay. with Dungeons and Dragons, like regular flavor Dungeons and Dragons, at least back in the day, uh, elf and dwarf were character classes. So you couldn't mm. be a an elven thief or a uh, dwarven paladin. You were just mm. a dwarf, and you had those fighter abilities that dwarves have. Or you were an elf and you had magic plus sneaking and fighting abilities. Or you could be a human, thief, magic user, cleric, fighter, whatever. Um, I, I got the analogy and, that'll work for Chris, Michael. Check this out. Okay. So, Chris, oh. you know in Forza when you put all the, the easy options are, like it shifts for you and you know uh, oh, and all yeah. that stuff? So that's D&D. And then it's like, no, if you want to go full manual transmission and have realistic collision physics in your car, that, that's, that's advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. All right. Me versus Mike Graham. Got it. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. And now it's all just Dungeons and Dragons, fifth edition. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah, really Advance was really edition. second edition, right? And it was, uh, I think it hasn't been AD&D since the third edition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I'm saying. I'm just jumping on a bandwagon now. <laughs> but, but, I, but I do, but like, I do know one thing, especially having just, built up my old my new my own arcade machine i love the beat-em-up genre almost more than anything uh in terms of old arcade games and i i think i can honestly say this is kind of the deepest this is the deepest this genre ever got Mm -hmm. yeah so so deep to the point i don't understand how someone let this fly as an arcade game yeah i I don't understand how someone could make this make it through this in an arcade well, actually, you can get pretty, like, if you just read a couple things, like, you can carry so many weapons, mm-hmm. and the second one has so many abilities that you can counter and block, and, oh, you can hit this, stun this thing with fire that you're holding, and you're also holding, like, axes and all this other shit in addition to your primary weapon. There's almost too much stuff to do. There are cutscenes, and there are branching pathways. Yeah. You can never see the whole game in one playthrough. Yeah, and there's period. character there's character progression, which was very rare yes. for a beat 'em up. You you collect gear, you level up, almost to the point where in the second one, yeah, I was misremembering where I thought I, I misremembered that this was one of those arcade games where you you had a save state where you could enter a code and come back. And and I don't think that was this one. No. It did expect you to play through it all the way and level up, but it's like yeah, you straight up are like um, you you find gear and, and you power up, and then actually that complexity though. 
introduced a ton of bugs like like people found exploits because this also came out in 1996 when the internet was a thing and you could you could share tricks and and people would just go up and straight up break the game in arcades to beat it so it probably wasn't a huge money maker for capcom because you didn't have to yeah, keep I, quarters into it i was legitimately shocked like learning a couple things like i can't play this far through the original final fight without dying and mm-hmm. you know i'm playing on a main machine so i have infinite continues but like with the cutscenes, with the Mike Hagar, the shopkeeper appearance, <laughs> like this does this does not cycle players out of the game very fast. You it can doesn't. get a long playthrough of Dungeons and Dragons, but it is beautiful. The sprite work is amazing. It is either the last or technically second to last Capcom side scrolling beat 'em up ever made. So it is mm-hmm. technically the the best of what they could do with the final fight genre. Wow. And and I cannot recommend this enough. I, I did. I was working at the company when they released the uh, Chronicles of Mistar. Am I Shadow? Yeah, Chronicles of Mistar. No, Chronicles. But, but is I think the, the, the Chronicles bundle. is the bundle where you get them both uh, if you oh, buy yeah, it on yeah, Xbox yeah. Live. The Tower yeah, of yeah. Doom, and and you can still get it via Xbox backwards compatibility yeah. or, or on Steam. Steam. Although I'll say it looks terrible playing it on Steam on a 4K TV. Oh, really? oh man, the, the 360 oh. version for whatever reason looks much better. I think. Mm. Yeah, it's it's astounding, and, and just because like I'm not that for, I'm not a, I, I I always thought this was Golden Axe. This is not Golden Axe. Mm. I, you can this I can't is, blame you for thinking that when you see when you see the screen in arcades. I think one of the guys even has the horned helmet, like the Golden yeah. Axe dwarf. Guy. This is this looks yeah. play. There are there are mazes and like things to discover. Again, I can't understand how this is an arcade yeah. game because well, there's rooms you can go into that don't technically do anything. But, like, dude, the goal is to get you... Have you played Strider before? The ghosts and goblins? Get this person out in 20 seconds. You can play for, like, for like 10 to 15 minutes on your first playthrough. It's very yeah. generous. Yeah. Yes, it is. And it, it also, like, more, more, much more so than Demon Stone, like, really seems to respect the rules of Dungeons & Dragons. Like, they, mm-hmm. the designers were clearly working with them as a framework. It's stuff like... Uh, I guess there's like this super challenging dragon that is it's supposed to be like a killer boss fight to the point where it warns you several times like if you fight me I will fucking kill you are you sure you want to do this <laughs> yeah and then it says like oh dragons can only use their breath weapon 3 times per day which is a very dungeons and dragons thing to say <laughs> yes. um but it it also uses some of the more obscure spells from dungeons and dragons that you can turn into attacks <laughs> Pick the snakes. Pick the snakes. The cleric can throw like a bunch of sticks and they turn into snakes and attack oh, enemies. I thought, I thought it said Jake the snake. I was yeah. like, what sticks the hell? to snakes. Right, like right, Moses right, yeah. in the Bible. Um, right. Well, you know, you la- you start laying on the ground and start foaming at the mouth. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? That's and, and I went through... <laughs> I went through some of the voice clips, this being a Capcom game. There are, like, libraries of voice clips that you can find online. And I'm pretty sure at this point that they had the same voice actors record their lines in English and in Japanese. Oh, Is yes. that your best? Yes. Show on finish. Show on finish. Cameo. Onore. Onore. Konnichiwa, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and some of them are like, okay, this is clearly an English guy speaking Japanese with a terrible accent, and this is a Japanese guy speaking English with a terrible accent. Perfect. Sayonara, yeah. you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> did, did any of you ever see this in the wild? Never. 
no, I always been like, heard about it, and I really want. I I remember wishing it would be ported to Super Nintendo, and obviously that never happened. The closest we got is Magic Sword. But well, no, it, Saturn, it made it to the Saturn, I think. Oh, okay. But with some compromises, mm. and but I, I never knew this existed until I looked it up. So it and was ninety six. So that 96. means Michael and I would have been in college, and yeah, yeah, the, the, the one tiny arcade. Yeah, the one tiny arcade on campus did not. I was out there scoring those. touchdowns on the varsity high school football team. <laughs> That's... But um, it's a, well, it, it is it is such a strange. That is not true, Cicero. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is such a strange uh, game. I, I, I got close to seeing an arcade version at an E3. Capcom was showing this off on the show floor in arcade cabinets, meant to reproduce wow. the original. That's oh, the closest nice. I got though. Very classic. Well, uh, so I will tell you guys, Mm -hmm. if you ever come to the uh, Chicagoland area, you must visit the greatest place ever, which is the Galloping Ghost. Oh, I've heard of the Galloping Ghost. Yes, from Cicero. He told us about it on the last show, too. I know, but I remember looking it up. It's a giant, daunting warehouse, the biggest grouping of arcade machines I've ever seen on a regular basis. In the world, there are Mm. currently... 772 arcade cabinets. Oh, God, how place. does he how um, does he pay for the power bill in that place? So I've 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 asked Doc uh, that question several times. Each time he looks at me and just laughs. Um, <laughs> I don't know like, what he does. Power bill? Haven't you noticed the very long extension cords snaking out of this <laughs> right, establishment? Right. right. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, so so the best the best time to visit this place is right in the beginning of the or like middle spring or middle fall, because then it's warm enough for you not to wear a jacket, um, but but still cold enough for you not to get hot when you're inside of that place. Because it is just a warehouse then. It does, it's not like temperature it's, controlled well or anything. So, it, it, so it's just a bunch of storefronts that he bought. Like he bought the block. He just eventually wound wow. up buying the block wow. and knocking out the walls of the, the all of the places on the block. Jeez. Uh, and yeah, so now he is successfully, he successfully uh, manifest destinied his way through the entire block. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he uh yeah he he's filled filled the entire place with the promise of video games Damn. of arcade cabinets uh two of which are dungeons and dragons uh shadows of over mistara and tower of doom nice, nice. he didn't he didn't manage to scoop up like the uh the old battletech pods from the uh no battletech pods oh, man. but but he he does have uh, the only living copy of Primal Rage 2. Oh, wow. That's impressive. In a, in a cabinet. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it was, yeah, it was one of two. So, yeah, this game is a lot of fun. Uh, but, I love it. But does it represent Dungeons & Dragons as well as one of the ultimate classics of the form? Number three. I have no idea what I just said. The time of troubles, a chaotic period, when gods were made flesh and forced to walk the earth. One such deity foresaw his own death and walked the land before the cataclysm. He left a score of mortal offspring, intended to be the fuel for his rebirth. The god was Bon, lord of murder, and you are one of his children. 
Or with a soundbite that probably more players of this game are immediately familiar with. Jump on my sword while you can, evil. I won't be as gentle. So this is Baldur's Jim Gate coming? 2, Shadows oh. of Om. So I learned this was in the D&D universe today. Really? You really? didn't know? Yes. <laughs> no idea. It's, it's interesting. So, Cicero, you play a campaign in Forgotten yes. Realms. Uh, yes. Why is this so much more popular than every other D&D campaign setting? Why have we not seen, like, more Dragonlance games or or other... Forget... St- no, 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 man. No Dragonlance, man. We need Starjammer. Or Spelljammer. Spelljammer. We need more Spelljammer. Spelljammer. Right. <laughs> well, Spelljammer was just a way to bridge the different worlds so you could go from, like, Faerun to Kryn or whatever. It's magical spaceships, Michael. Steampunk spaceship magic craziness. Yeah. I haven't really heard much about Spelljammer since, like, the late 80s, so... It's, it's a very... It's a very a 70s thing? setting. Like, yeah. You can tell why it didn't really yeah, make well, it out of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Space pirates yeah, and bell uh, bottoms and low cut shirts. <laughs> but, but I remember even as a kid, Forgotten Realms, uh, to get us back on track, sorry, confused me. I'm like, well, wait, is this a D&D? Because I, by the way, I'm a super nerd. I read novelizations based oh, in universes yes. I like. Like, I, I would read the nice. D&D novels. And I was like, is this a D&D novel or a Forgotten Realms novel? I didn't understand what was different. And, and even then, as a kid, someone tried to explain it to me. I'm like, wait, so this is a subsetting of this larger universe setting. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, well, D and D is technically just the rule set. And then the settings are that dictates the gods that dictates the, the monsters that dictates the classes. And I'm like, eh, okay, I still don't understand, but thank you for trying. Yeah. But now I understand. <laughs> but why forgotten realms, Cicero? Why forgotten realms? Yeah. Well, out of all of them. The people. Okay. Yeah. So I talked to the people and the people oh. told me, that that uh, Forgotten Realms is uh, is the place. I don't know, man. Like it's it it just it just struck. Like it's the thing that that uh, I guess makes sense. Like it, I I don't I don't know what it is about that particular setting that uh, really resonates. Maybe it's a Lord of the Rings thing. Like maybe mm. it's just like it's all of the classic. It's all of the classic stuff that people know from high fantasy mm-hmm. without all of the other bullshit that is specific to one story, right? Like this is, this is like the McDonald's burger of, of D and D, you know, of like D and D lore. Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. one thing that you could just kind of get everybody together. Like I understand that. Yeah. And I don't need to, you know, I don't need to dive into some goofy ass minutia to to figure out what's special about this particular it, it, yeah i think you're you're onto something with the the lord of the rings tie-ins but it's also one of the only settings that has it created stuff that is now in the larger sci- uh fantasy lexicon so like the drow which we talked about earlier exactly mm-hmm. even though technically uh, J.R.R. tolkien you know the orcs were corrupted elves the drow are sort of D's version and they're they're they just don't go full orc with that they are kind of these corrupted they're usually yeah. portrayed as evil no, elves. They're, they're subterranean spider worshippers who are really good at torture. Right. <laughs> That's what we know right. about the drow. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're so that but that is an invention. Matriarchal also. That is a Gary Gygax invention. Like no other fantasy setting had drow specifically. But now when people talk about dark elves in things uh, like the Elder Scrolls games that's the drow basically you know that's kind of a variation of that so it's they it's it's the one D setting that kind of managed to spin out stuff that then was copied from by by other fantasy yeah. properties 
So, so Baldur's Gate, when it came out, was only the second game ever attempted by a then-fledgling company known as BioWare. Oh, wow. And it nailed, like, the first game nailed the feeling of Dungeons & Dragons so well that it became an instantly huge hit. Uh, it was like you, you, you had this unknown destiny, you had to venture out alone into the world, and it did a really great job faking this feeling of having this massive open world by like they had a bunch of big uh, pre-rendered interconnected maps that you could wander across. And then like you, you leave the boundaries of one and it's like, okay, where do you want to go next? Oh, you want to go to this area? Well, that took 24 hours. So now the clock is advanced and you feel like this was a huge pain in the ass, even though it only took you a few seconds uh, your your characters kind of suffered. Just just these these big open worlds, and uh, by the time Baldur's Gate two came out, like the Bioware formula as we know it now was kind of beginning to crystallize a little bit. Like it was injecting more personality into your followers and making them more a key part of the plot. There were romance subplots that you could pursue with different characters, and yeah, it was like it was it was a fantastic production and having played both of them in the past week, like I, th I think that Baldur's Gate two is, is a cut above both in terms of writing and presentation. And it also had some great voice actors. Like I, I kind of can't believe the, the voice cast because you have uh, Jim Cummings voice of Robotnik as Minsk, the unforgettable tattooed ranger who like has his hamster that he's obsessed with. Feel the burning stare of my hamster and change your ways. Boo, who is the world's only miniature giant space hamster. It's just a hamster that he always has with him and is always talking to. The game, uh, they also got Charlie Adler as a voice actor. He of Cow and Chicken and Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons. Welcome to my domain. I regret that my hospitality will result in your deaths. Back them, my shadows! If they be fools, my other beasts shall strike them down! If not, the task shall fall to you, my shades. The circus now truly begins! This isn't what was supposed to happen! This isn't what was promised to me! I have planned this for too long, only to have my plans shattered by some inbred northern adventurers! I... I just wanted to be respected! It it sounds like if Buster Bunny yes. was playing Gollum in uh Lord of, in the Lord of the Rings. I mean, you're ninety percent there. At, yes, at, at Tiny Toons University. Right. Yeah. He's just you did Crypt Keeper first, mm. or Acme University. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's very Crypt Keeper. Yeah. yeah, that was that was basically Crypt Keeper. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's a, here's a quiz uh, yes, for everyone. Boys and girls. <laughs> here's a here's a quiz for all the non Cicero uh, hosts in here. What is Baldur's Gate? It's a city. Yes, most. Oh. People, I, I did something. I was. I didn't know that until last year. I. I just assumed it was like mm. this temple because it has this evil foreboding name, like a like a, almost like a yeah. Balder is a creature or something. But it's just a coastal. No, I thought, I thought Balder, it was a, like the. Well, it's it's actually. Uh, I thought it, uh, pushing up I my it was nerd a glasses. Pushing up my nerd glasses for a second. Uh, so it's. Technically named after the Norse god of light, Balder, who dies in an allegory similar to uh, the Christ. Uh, uh, he, uh, it's, it's like Balderan is like the founder of the city, and you find his helmet pretty early on in Baldur's Gate 2 mm -hmm. and get to wear it. So, nice. Um, 
But you you are taken prisoner immediately in uh, Baldur's Gate 2 by a guy named John Irenicus or Irenicus, uh, who's like this very powerful mage who is obsessed with he, he wants to unlock some power that's hidden within you because you are the child of the god of murder. And he is played by David Warner, a.k.a. Sark from Tron, one of the best villain voice actors ever. This woman lives and has strength of a sort. She lost her parents to plague, her husband to war, but she persevered. Her farm has prospered, her name is respected, and her children are fed and safe. She lived as she thought she should. And now she is dead. Her land will be divided, her children will move on, and she will be forgotten. She lived a good life, but she had no power. She was a slave to death. I wonder if you are destined to be forgotten. Will your life fade in the shadow of greater beings? Ouch. That's Sark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, David Warner. Don't know his um, name. But yeah, just really great performances in this. And uh, for those of you who like, you know, some Bioware's later work, like Knights of the Old Republic, um, you know, pay attention if you play this. Uh, the, the enhanced edition is great, I'll just say that, but mm. pay attention to the, the fighting animations. And then pay attention to the fighting animations in Knights of the Old Republic and see if you can spot the similarities. Yeah. Especially well, when fighting with a weapon in either hand. Yeah, when, when KOTOR came out, that's what they said. They said, well, you're not actually, it, the, the damage isn't mapped to the animation. It, we're just doing dice rolls behind the scenes to see if you hit and all that. Right. They just weren't mm -hmm. allowed to admit, like, we're using the D&D &D rule set to make these dice yeah. rolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, I think, I think KOTOR was advertised as like a D20 game. Yeah, yeah, so, I think you're right. Yeah. They, they definitely talked about the dice rolls. But yeah, it's straight up, it's like, yeah, these are the guys. And then, yeah, we were talking about like the um, the kind of interesting history of of Bioware and how that, that's they'll, they'll go work on a property and then they'll, they'll work on a derivation of a property, right? So they worked on Baldur's Gate, which mm -hmm. is in the D&D &D universe, and then, you know, later on down the line, they, they did Dragon Age uh, Origins, which is very much based on D&D. Or, you know, uh, they, they did the Star Wars games with KOTOR. Then they did Mass Effect. They created their own sci-fi universe. And so they're they're right. kind of masters of doing that. Yeah. And also uh, interesting, as long as we're talking about the development arc there, that Bioware kind of got their big, big splash making Baldur's Gate for a publisher known as Black Isle. Mm -hmm. uh, which also did Fallout. Black Isle later folded and became Obsidian, mm -hmm. which then went on to kind of do these these also-ran sequels that were arguably better than their source material, like they did Fallout New Vegas, KOTOR 2. They, they did Neverwinter Nights 2, the follow-up to Bioware's own Neverwinter Nights. So um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's interesting how things you know can turn around in this. There, there's a tangled web for sure between Bioware and Obsidian. Like yeah, you can tell. I think Fergus is the guy who heads up Obsidian. Like they they, mm -hmm. they all know each other, and I can almost picture. I can't verify that this is what happened, but I can almost picture like Bioware turning down a project and saying, "But we know this studio and this guy that would do a really good job <laughs> with this property," and and it goes to Obsidian. You know. So. But yeah, I I. So was surprised how much I liked, especially after playing Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2. Like, I feel like it's more immediately fun. It just kind of grabs you. There's less aimless wandering, and yet at the same time, it does feel very open-ended. Uh, and, and it's a great representation of kind of what Dungeons & Dragons is supposed to be. It was like one of the first games to kind of it, it sort of like bridge the gap between second and third uh, edition rules. 
but it also just just like this big epic story where you're going around fighting goblins and orcs and other stuff. Uh, I do want to acknowledge that for a lot of people, Baldur's Gate 2 does not define Baldur's Gate at all. For a lot of people, Baldur's Gate is Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, uh, (laughs) which is not an entry on this list, but I did want to give a nod to it because they were these PS2 era, like Diablo style games where you're running around in a 3D world, getting to do classic, classic tasks for a bartender that looks like Gina Gershon right at the beginning? Well, we've had to lock up the cellar because of the horde of rats that suddenly showed up down there. Clear them out for me, and I'll give you the key to the sewer gate. And a little gold to help you get back on your feet. What do you say? Yeah, go kill some rats in a cellar. cellar. That's a classic Never, classic never been. Never, never heard that happen in a game before. That's really weird. Never, never. But, um, yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed playing Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance for the first time for this. That it, it just has three characters, a human archer, a dwarven fighter, and a magic user who might be an elf. I, I didn't pay that much attention to her. But the sequel expands that repertoire quite a bit with like a drow monk, a human barbarian, and a bunch of other guys because the initial heroes get captured at the very beginning of that game. But I don't know. Anyone have any fond memories of Dark Alliance before I'm, we move on? It's yep. getting a sequel. Oh, oh, yeah. oh um, which one? game uh baldur's gate dark alliance no but what's the name of the sequel it's it's uh... dungeons and dragons dark alliance uh, it's no oh. longer baldur's gate see that that really hurt it in my eyes because it's like mm-hmm. this isn't baldur's gate what the hell are you trying to pull is that that game that stars drist though the 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 one that uh, I, th- was... I think you can play as him as a secret character oh okay well the, the, what all i wanted to say about uh baldur's gate dark alliance is up until this point D&D had, had tried being on kind of consoles, but was primarily very much a PC-centric series. Like the best, I would say, like the most highly regarded D&D games were primarily on PC. And I think Dark Alliance was the first time that they had some breakthrough success on console oh, yeah. platforms. It was, and, you know, to do so, we they won't basically talk about the Diablo. NES games. Yeah. No, 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 no. No much, Heroes of the Lance. <laughs> no, much like D- the D&D cartoon, but better, the less said the better, but... Mm. um. Yep. But yeah, it was it was this is the first time where you you actually had a D&D game that could kind of go to mainstream console gamers and wasn't just something that you would see in like a Babbage's in the PC aisle or, you know, so so mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's worth calling that out for its place in history. What is that squishy noise I'm hearing? A keyboard? Right here? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably Keyboard. It. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Getting yeah, distorted. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some, All right. Someone's well, fapping. That was someone just fapping. It's, it's kind <laughs> right. of right. I didn't want to say that. Oh, man. It was the conversation. Don't stop <laughs> yeah, talking. Yeah, no, Don't it's stop very talking. exciting. It's I know. Well, day. it's about to get more exciting because. Number two. Hey, Chief. You okay? You playing corpse or you putting the blinds on the dusties? I thought you were a debtor for sure. Uh, this is. A most unusual Dungeons and Dragons game that does not feel like a Dungeons and Dragons game at all. The really. most Even unusual D game. This is this, it's the same yeah. in Infinity Engine that powered Baldur's Gate, but this is Planescape Torment, mm-hmm. which a lot of people still hold up as one of the greatest RPGs ever made, and it's certainly one of the strangest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's set in the the Planescape setting, which was 
at the time kind of a new uh, Dungeons and Dragons setting where you're like, let's go explore the outer plains and hang out with Tanari and tieflings and all these strange demonic creatures that just live normal lives. Mm. Planescape Torment centers on the Nameless One, who is a guy who just dies and gets resurrected over and over and over again. And uh, you happen to start the game when he has lost his memory. You're, you're not trying to save anything, really. You're just trying to learn about the world around you and piece together what your identity is and who you were in the past and find out, like, oh, these people seem to know me. Why do they know me? And was I good to them? Was I bad to them? Mm -hmm. It has a parallel to a more modern game, Disco Elysium, which was very heavily influenced by this. And I think if you if you play them side by side, you'll see that they, they play very similarly. They both have amnesiac protagonists, and they both rely very heavily on dialogue to advance the plot. In Planescape Torment, there is combat, but it's sort of incidental. Like, it, it never feels like the point. It's just like, all right, I'm going to try and find this character to have a conversation with them, and on the way, some knife-wielding thugs attack me, and I have to have a knife fight in the middle of the street. But it's it's never like sword and armor and magic. It's just like I'm a a big half naked zombie and I'm stabbing dudes. Yeah, and you um <laughs> who we who who we heard there in that clip, uh, mm. one of the, the the most memorable things about the game is you just and this happens a lot is you keep waking up in said crypt every time you die and you're greeted by Morty this floating skeleton head which i yes. want to believe graveyard keeper that was an homage to morty that skeleton oh, sure. head that talks yeah, yeah. to you but um mm. the first thing he does because you've lost your memory is he finds a tattoo on your back that is basically instructions and telling you what to do and how to get going it's like find this journal and read it and then you're gonna yeah. go out because you talk are... to this guy he might know who you are uh, it, it's like memento except like really really detailed yeah. <laughs> they're like no wonder i'm in so much pain i wrote a novel on myself <laughs> but yeah he, he basically can't die and i think doesn't he set something up like around his crypt there are these traps that would kill anyone else but it doesn't matter to him because he knows he'll just resurrect again and so it's like that keeps him safe in the crypt it's like yeah if anyone stumbles be. upon this but i mean you you wake up in this uh mortuary that's like run by these people named the dustmen and the dustmen take care of bodies but they they also have like a religion based around death mm -hmm. and about dying the true death and you should never try to extend your life so even even though like one of them acknowledges you and it's like this is practically your home you keep waking up here people bring us your body every time you die and then you wake up again and you walk back out um like it's it's dangerous at first you have to kind of either fight or sneak or talk your way through it. And the fact that you can talk your way through it is kind of cool that you can just lie to people and say like, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm here to see, uh, Adon. Do you know that guy? And like, Oh no, I don't know. I'm, uh, maybe, maybe check with this guy on the second floor. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> you just keep walking. Um, and there, there are a lot of moments like that in this game. And, and What's, I think, really interesting uh, about the Nameless One as opposed to a lot of other Dungeons & Dragons protagonists is that a lot of, number one, a lot of the default dialogue options you get are kind of like, oh, only a real asshole would say this. I don't want to, I don't want to be impolite. Like, if, if you're someone like me who just plays, uh, you know, a good guy because that's your social conditioning and you can't bring yourself to be rude to a person. 
then you know it can be a little little challenging but it's it's kind of pushing you to cut loose it's like no bend your your concept of morality and just explore who your who your character is like it none of this really matters you can die over and over again you'll just be brought back to life and it it kind of bends some of the conventions of dungeons and dragons in that like there's i think there's only three swords in the game total uh, there are rats as enemies, but they're some of the most dangerous enemies you'll fight because they're cranium rats. And the more of them there are, the smarter they get and the more powers they gain. And they are also in opposition with like these undead people who you like, okay, I, it's a city full of, an, there's an undercity full of like ghouls and zombies and skeletons here, but they turn out to be like some of the most moral people in the game. <laughs> Like, oh, no, we take care of the dead. That's our job. We, we live a very peaceful life down here and we won't kill you because we have rules. It's a it's a fascinating game. And again, has has some really good voice acting, uh, much like Baldur's Gate did uh, in that it gets it gets people like Rob Paulson, the voice of Yako Warner to play uh, Mort and plays him off against the various other weirdo companions you get like. Like Nordom, who's a modron, who's, uh, they're like these polygonal creatures that have a hive mind, but this one's disconnected and he joins your party. Attention, Mort. I wish to address your body. Oh, go bother someone else, you idiot counting box. I have a question concerning your body's whereabouts. Where is it? <sighs> I don't know, all right? It's just, it's, you know, it's gone. How does the head separate from the body without you knowing? I'll show you if you don't shut your trap. And, and one of the potential companions you can recruit is also a justice-obsessed uh, animated suit of armor played by Keith David. I must ask again. Have we met before, Nameless One? Trust me, you, you, you've never met him. You do not engender trust in me, Skull. Chief, we really ought to ditch this guy <laughs> before he remembers something the last you did. <laughs> so, yeah. This, this yeah. game has a ton of personality. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't blame you if you uh, didn't play he, this game because it's it is a very they it was almost like they were challenging you to to play and try this game. Like even the cover, it did it looked nothing like a D and D game. If you might remember from the cover, it's basically this bluish purplish dude with like blue dreadlocks on the cover, overlooking this like mm -hmm. desert scape. Like it is such a unique. It's just so non D and D, you know. It's it's the weirdest yeah. looking D and D game, and it's the weirdest D and D game. And that's what's so funny is like it is remembered as like probably the best or one of the best D and D games. And it's like, yeah, yeah but it's the most non D and D game there is. Yeah, what, what does that say about Dungeons yeah. and Dragons that <laughs> so many people regard the least D and D one as the best? Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, also, just like the amount of effort that they put into random atmospheric stuff, like depending on. If, if you go and stand in front of certain businesses, you will hear barkers yelling like, hey, Cutter, come in here and find a warm bed. It's cold out there. Or if you go to a local bar called the Smoldering Corpse, you might hear this. Come see the burning man. Try to put him out. Buy him a drink. He's thirsty. He's on fire. He's a red hot. Come on in. Come on in. See what I mean. I'm gone. Done. See the Burning Man, buy him a drink, he's thirsty. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but yeah, I, th uh. this game is, I'll, I'll say, like, having played these very recently, this game is kind of hard to get into. Uh, I think that's true of a lot of these, but once you give it some time, like, you will be hooked. 
uh, it is kind of hard to pull away. But as good as this is, I think uh, there, there are a bunch of reasons that I have to give the slot to this game. The Frozen North, a bleak wilderness where barbarian clans and tribes of giants roam the land and fierce dragons rule the skies. But amidst the frozen savagery stands a bastion of civilization, the city of Neverwinter, Jewel of the North. Well, there it is in the title. Um, Neverwinter Nights. Did anyone else play this when it came out in 2002? I had no idea this was a D&D game. You didn't know Neverwinter Nights was a Dungeons & Dragons game? I knew it wasn't for me <laughs> and didn't look any further. <laughs> this is back from when Atari had the license. Uh, another Bioware game, mm-hmm. uh, followed up by the also excellent Neverwinter Nights 2 by Obsidian. But I think this one deserves a special recognition because I think... Uh, I remember playing this a bunch when it came out. And out of all the games on this list, this feels the most like Dungeons and Dragons, the pen and paper role-playing game in terms of the resources it gives you, because it not only has like umpteen jillion campaigns officially, like, uh, so I think there are, uh, there's the main campaign, there's two or three official expansions and a bunch of premium, like shorter modules that aren't fully campaign length. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, it had a construction kit that let you make your own campaigns and your own adventures and download those made by others. Mm-hmm. And it was also multiplayer. So you could potentially bring in other players to play these adventures. And in terms of that, it like this, this felt like the closest simulation of the, group Dungeons and Dragons experience that you could have in a video game. Like you could conceivably have a bunch of friends together and have your friend who designed the adventure kind of watch behind the scenes as the DM. And, uh, like that's sort of incredible. And I don't think that's ever really been repeated since then. No. And that's, I think the big part of this game's success and the reason it's remembered is that creation, the construction kit without that, it would have just been, yeah, another nicely written D and D campaign, but really what gave the, right. this game had so just legs for days. Like it just, it, people played this for years and years and it was because of a, their official support through modules, but really the modules were just sort of an excuse to give DMs more tile sets and stuff to work with for their own campaigns. Like mm. that's why people played this game for years and years and years is, is, is kind of in, in a way it's one of the first like live games that did that. It's like, it, it's almost like what you see with the Sims now, right? Like how many modules of the Sims four has there been, you know, it's, it's like, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. It, it, if you give people creation suite, they kind of learned like, Oh, they get to scratch that inner itch. Uh, so D&D players kind of have a phenomenon. I, I compare it to actors. Like most actors, after they've been doing it a while, want to, they get an itch to direct. They want to try their hand at directing. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's played tabletop RPGs long enough eventually wants to try DMing. It's just a thing. Like it's fine and, and okay. deal with mm-hmm. it. It'll happen to you too if, if you get into it. And this let people play with it. And it let a lot of people like me realize I am a shit DM and I do not want to do that. I just want to <laughs> I be a player. I would much <laughs> rather play in other people's imaginations. Yeah. And let them play in mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I think that's part of the reason this game is so fondly remembered is the creation suite. Yeah, yeah, that, that was super important. And I remember, like, I, I did play this back in the day, 
And I remember a couple of interesting things about it. The first was that the game came with a, a, like a fold-out case that had a bunch of blank slots that were for the, when the expansions came out, you could put them in that. And like, that's kind of a neat little touch. And also I remember playing uh, what I thought was the entire game for about 20 hours and feeling like, yeah, this is like, I'm, I'm just exploring the city of Neverwinter. I'm spending all my time here. I have had a complete adventure. What do you mean that was just chapter one? What do you mean I now have to venture outside the city into the wilderness? No, I'm not doing this. I'm done with this game. <laughs> so that that is a game that's like, technically, I've only played the first chapter, but I feel like I got a full experience out of that. And uh, I mean, I haven't even touched. Um, I've heard some of the expansions are excellent, uh, especially this one. Waterdeep, one of the greatest cities in all of Faroon. It is home to a multitude of peaceful town folk from all races and all walks of life. Beneath Waterdeep, however, lies a different realm. This is the deep dungeon known as Undermountain. And underneath Undermountain is what? The Underdark. The Underdark, yes. So Hordes of the Underdark uh, is, I think, generally the best regarded expansion for this. It's also one of those, like... I remember when the Underdark campaign materials first started coming out for, for Dungeons and Dragons and like it got such fascination and it's one of those things like this is like Myth Draenor or something like this is one of those like super difficult high level challenges for super experienced players. I don't quite get the appeal of going around in caves and fighting drow, but uh a lot of people seem to really love it, so clearly I'm missing something. So, so this game I uh, was introduced to in 2002. I was living in Albany, and directly across the street from me was a land center. And so, you know, there were nerdy kids doing nerdy things across the street from my house. So I went over to check it out, and uh, one of the kids there was playing Neverwinter, and, and he was like, hey, man, you got to check this out. Um and I played it. I had no idea that it had anything to do with D&D. I just knew that it really? was a fantasy game. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, like my exposure to Dungeons and Dragons um, prior to like 2010 even was was uh, via the cartoon on CBS. On oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know a ton of people who love that cartoon. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, they were taking a, they took a roller coaster into a different world. Um, but, uh, yeah, so like, I, yeah, I had no idea what Neverwinter was. It was cool. Um, and, and I experienced some of it, but I was like, oh man, I've got to dedicate a lot of time in order to become proficient in this. And I don't have a computer. I'm not coming over here and spending a shitload of money. <laughs> To play it, you know, to play it mm -hmm. in the land center, like it just, yeah, you know, it just wasn't worth it. Worth Understandable, it. but, but, uh, yeah, plenty of people have sang, sang me a song, spun me a yarn about their <laughs> Neverwinter Night, man, uh, excursions it, in love. And this is like one of the most enduring settings for even even within the Forgotten Realms for games, because not only we had Neverwinter Nights, the old MMO, but we had this, the revival, which was 
you know, playable single player, but you could also play it with multiple multiple players. You had the the sequel, which even though it's by Obsidian, it's like this feels so much more like Dragon Age, like a more modern Bioware game that like that's pretty noteworthy in and of itself. And uh, then we had Neverwinter, the the recent free to play MMO that you were. Yeah, right? the recent uh, comparatively recent. It's pretty at this point. It's uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's been out for a while now. Was that 2012? No, Neverwinter. Um, Star Trek Online is the one that Cryptic's been doing for over 10 years now. Neverwinter is like five or six years old now, but it's um, yeah, it, 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 what's great because it is a, a live game, live service game. They keep adding expansions and and delving into no pun intended new areas such as places like um, you know when you go to Waterdeep or the Undermountain. Um, I don't know that they've gone to the Underdark yet, but uh, yeah, it, hmm. it definitely worked on a few of those expansions. It's like I can't believe I get to work on this campaign setting, this thing I've been reading about for years and years or playing in tabletop version. And oh look, here's our giant you know cavernous or giant it, almost like. You know the 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 way to describe those settings is like the caverns are so big it looks like open sky when you're in them like that's that's how vast mm-hmm. it's supposed to be and and yeah there there's just a lot yeah. of a lot of stuff to dig into again no pun intended damn it um with this setting that it's just yeah it's <laughs> it's it's um it, for some reason I don't know why D and D just always goes back to Waterdeep and then everything beneath Waterdeep, the city, um, as is evidenced by we're talking to a man who's on a podcast called Rivals of Waterdeep. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) How come no one ever wants to hang out in the Shadowdale? Just make friends with Elminster. Come on. Well, well, it is. I mean, Waterdeep is kind of like the New York City Mm -hmm. of of Faerun. Uh, So like. You know how many stupid movies are set mm-hmm. in New York just fair just because it's a place that people know you know true um and 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 some of that you know some of that is earned um but some of that is just kind of like you know inertia mm-hmm. right yeah. oh, we need a setting where where can we put it that that you know like doesn't need a lot of explanation there you go yeah Modern yeah. yeah. fine um but one one thing that's oddly jarring about some of these games is like and and it it don't notice it at first but then once you do notice like you can't unnotice that it's one of those things is medieval fantasy games with american accents is can be a little strange sometimes especially when they sound like this as the neverwinter nights protagonist can attack i say attack you are so gonna feel some wrath Back, back to wherever. That is the evangelist voice. <laughs> Labeled as what such. Is that sexual vanilla? <laughs> sexual vanilla. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was that was the Al Sharpton mod that? you had to install in the game to get that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 Randy, <laughs> Randy Watson, Watson mod. Yeah. <laughs> that boy's good. That boy's good. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> that boy's good. good. <laughs> Yeah, didn't tell. So, like, someone gave that person direction, <laughs> and and at the end, at the end of that line, there was someone in a booth that said, yeah, "That's good. excellent. I think we got mm-hmm. it. Great job." Actually, I, I would not be at all surprised if the voice actor was just really bored and just decided to do the lines like a televangelist, and someone in the recording studio was like, "This is fucking great. Let's keep this." <laughs> It's the evangelist voice now. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. Sometimes long recording sessions, you're like, 
well, at least it's an interesting choice. It might not be the right choice, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice, though. <laughs> Certainly it's a choice. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that is our top five Dungeons and Dragons games, according to me, after uh, two weeks of exhaustive research. <laughs> Good choices, Michael. Good choices. But, yeah, I, I know yes. this differs from a lot of similar lists. I, I looked at them all, but um, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, Neverwinter Nights might not be the most fun game on this list, but it definitely represents the spirit of Dungeons and Dragons, I think, the most accurately. Yeah. And I think that really deserves respect especially given the fact that it was achieved 18 years ago are, did we get out of here without um, a gold box entry like are, are we... yeah i love i love the fucking gold box games like so those those are kind of what got me into dungeons and dragons way back in the day the old ssi yeah. gold box games mm. specifically curse of the azure bonds i think i just like really liked the chick on the cover and then i like got so into it that i like read the novel azure bonds that it was based on and then played the game and then went back and played pool of radiance and that was also like kind of an early example of a series that let you import your mm. save from one oh, to the cool. next so you were supposed oh, wow. to start out with pool of radiance and then import all your characters and progress to curse of the azure bonds and uh so on and so forth from there and that that yeah like ultima and the gold box games both allowed you to do that i think ultima did i'm not sure now that mm. i say that but uh yeah it's something not a lot of games do these days yeah very fondly remember but i have saves. not those games haven't really aged as well as the entries on this list you know yeah no i've i've heard that they've aged so poorly as to be unplayable now and i can believe yeah. it cause... i mean i was gonna say uh, planescape torment i i own the original version through gog and it's really rough when, especially when you have the mm -hmm. the enhanced edition sitting right there in the store, yeah. and you're like, ah. yeah. And I I would say if you are interested in any of these games, uh, get the enhanced editions. They are very playable on modern PCs, mm -hmm. uh, especially Neverwinter Nights. And and yeah, this almost became at one point uh, just Dungeons and Dragons games that got remasters. Mm -hmm. In which case, we might have included Icewind Dale, which is sort of like. What if Baldur's Gate was less focused on story and more just about fighting mm -hmm. monsters? Mm -hmm. I don't know. They're out there. They're all pretty cool. But that has been our top five. So on that note, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we will talk about some news. And I guess there's not really any new releases to talk about, but community answers. So uh, stay tuned. Be aggressive. Be -E aggressive. Be aggressive. Just one girly at the tourney and it's kill or be killed The dungeon master is the bastard known as Pliny the Ill But I, I could feel it coming through the air that night Oh lord, my sword's out, Jesus, just avert your right Let's get scratching Hello fellow nerf herders, did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ, except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. I, I think Obi-Wan's pretty solid character. I mean, he's my favorite character in the, in the trilogy by far. I, and I've seen um, I've seen defenses of it because like Obi Wan is boring in Phantom Menace. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he's whiny. He's, he's boring and whiny because yeah. he's a young... He's a, he's a borderline youngling, dude. He's, he's a youngling. Yeah, and in the second movie... Anakin's the same way. I went to. I looked up a weird thing, and I'm sorry I did it, and I have to mention it. I went to look up <laughs> movies about Hitler to watch a movie about what is essentially a monster. I think go to a rabbit, dude. <laughs> has it's been kind of a pat idea for anyone to make a movie about Hitler's? They're from like a kid to dictator. Yeah, that's been done once. From what I can find, a really? miniseries with Robert Carlyle hmm. from Train Spotting. Everything else, almost everything, focuses on like his last days or like well, him, yeah. him as a struggling well, do artist. That, do you think that's because they, you know, people are afraid to try to humanize that person. That's exactly why I think it is, and that's why yeah. that's why I think this movie flip flops so much because Obi Wan should have been the main character. It should have been clear that Obi Wan is the main character, but yeah. the reality is Anakin is because he has the most going on. He's got uh, he's got goals. Obi Wan doesn't. He has other people in his life. Obi Wan doesn't. Mm-hmm. He has desires. Obi Wan doesn't. Oh, that's sick of Star Wars. Available exclusively at Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime, along with weekly bonus shows, over a hundred movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. And welcome back to our final segment where we will not waste time rolling dice or uh, plotting our evasions or Roll for saving initiative, throws. Michael. Damn it. God damn it, Matt. Don't interrupt me as I try to set up the... These are the new releases. They are releasing new releases. These are the new releases. There's not a lot out this week, I'll be honest. Everybody got out of E3's way because they thought there would be an E3, and <laughs> yeah. uh, there isn't one. Oops. So... Uh, we do have Sunset Riders coming to Arcade Archives on PS4 if you like side-scrolling western shoot-'em-ups with a goofy sensibility. That is for you. Who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't like that? That is so strange. Like, <laughs> COVID, COVID got a bunch of movies and games canceled, mm-hmm. and then the protests got announcements canceled. Yeah. <laughs> well, who the, who the fuck wanted to hear about video game news last week? I didn't, and I run this show. I know, but I'm telling you, like I, I said, I was saying that on bonus time the other day, like I, I'm kind of a guy who whose depression needs to eat every day, and mm-hmm. I kind of live through releases of things, and like realizing that I hadn't watched a new movie and, oh, God, Scoob is out in three weeks. Please hurry up, Scoob. You hurry up and get here. Rescue Zoinks! me. You, you sound like the new Shaggy. That was about, about what he sounds okay, like. Shaggy. There's very little Scoob. So depressing that I'm just sitting there watching Scoob. I'm like, this is a new movie. This is a new movie. And you wouldn't know it because it contains, like, 10-year-old pop culture references. But, yeah, that was theoretically a new movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pearl Jam released the uncut version of Jeremy. It's been an exciting week for new wow. releases. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just going back and like, okay, what do we got laying around that we can well, just kind of dredge back up? I mean, the new Samurai Showdown is out on PC, as well as the Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection, uh-huh. which is, I, I think, of those two, I'd probably gra- uh, gravitate more toward the latter. And uh, continuing uh, its spree of pissing off fanboys. By porting games uh, years after the fact to a technically competing system, uh, Journey is out on PC. The PlayStation-exclusive classic is now playable by PC players. Uh, Michael, we said game ports. Journey is not a game. It's just an interactive experience. Uh, It's just walking forward, maybe with another person. 
I was wondering why I saw I saw people posting about that and like did something happen? Did was it, did this game become mandatory? Yes. Oh. Yes. Did, did we ever figure figure out what like what what, what brought that on? Is is Sony's name on that product at all after going to PC? Well, I think it's that game company, but it was published by Sony. So the Sony, fact that right. it's coming to even even PC, which has always kind of been in that sort of gray area of like, well, it's not quite a competitor to consoles because it operates in a completely different price range and mm-hmm. uh you know that the 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 fans are quite a bit different they're you know pc players are often not interested in console games and vice versa so I, I think when people get i don't know if they get upset but it's the assumption is when a thing is a first party published game you're thinking well maybe sony kicked in to help the development with development costs of that game so then it does get weird like I think it isn't Death Stranding confirmed to be coming to PC yes. or it came to PC. Right. So it, and, yeah. and Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Yeah. And so, well, well, with that one, I think it's straight up Sony because they own the studio would be getting any of those PC funds. Mm-hmm. So my question always becomes like, is Sony getting a cut of the PC version, um, or with someone like that game company that's not? I don't think they're owned by Sony. Like, how does how? I'm just very interested in how that deal is structured and what what Sony sees of that, or if it's or or like. Um, Detroit become human and, and all of, of that studio's games actually are now you know they, they kind of they were second party studio but now they're independent to do what they want and so I, I don't think Sony's seeing any of that money from when those games are on PC so yeah it's, it's just a we I don't know that people are angry so much as like how 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 is this happening I mean so I have weird. seen anger because there are fans on the internet who will get fucking angry at anything what um, you well, don't say yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the internet, you <laughs> Never say? heard of this phenomenon. Yes. Uh, so, speaking of funds, um, how much is this re-release going to be? Or is... is? $14.99. $14.99. I guess that's about the price that you'd expect to pay for a new release on a new platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's... I, I, I guess that's not an unreasonable amount of money to charge for that game um, at, at this point. But it may be it may still be, you know, fifty percent yeah, too I mean, expensive or thirty it's, it's, thirty thirty three percent too expensive. Like, there is a certain type of critic who will hold it up as like this is absolutely essential. It's my favorite game of the millennium. Everyone should play it. And then like it's really good. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily one of the greatest games I've ever played. I remember reviewing it, uh, and this may have been one of the reasons that PlayStation, the official magazine, folded a few months later. But uh, I reviewed it for P-Tom and gave it an 8 out of 10. And the editor-in-chief had to write an editorial defending my decision sometime later. Uh, <laughs> an eight, a very. An this is a, a very good game, score. guys. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I'm really no. sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I only, only thought good. it was really good instead of transcendent, orgasmic, right. the best thing I've ever played. <laughs> I, I I am firmly in that camp of. I, I thought Journey was a very neat experience. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that was really neat. I really like that. I, I will but say I it is. It, it is much better if you play it and you meet someone online and you adventure with them. It is a very different experience doing that versus playing it by yourself. Yes. That's true. Yes. So. Yeah, it it definitely does give you something to think about. I, I, you know, I only played it, played through it once. Um, I think I caught it when it was, uh, um, was 
PlayStation Plus games with yeah. gold, like one of those things or whatever. Um, and, you know, downloaded and, and had that experience and ran into someone while I was playing. And when, when we got separated, I did spend a considerable amount of time as I was still playing, wondering what that character, what that player was going through at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was cool. And then, you know, when the game ended, I, I you know, I was s- sitting there with my thoughts for a little bit. Um, and it was a great experience, but I think I think an eight out of ten is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, for that I, I actually, that that I have a perfect two for two track record of giving uh, big console exclusives eight out eights out of ten just before the official magazine closed because uh, I also gave Titanfall an eight out of ten. I think <laughs> um, it might have been lower actually because I was not impressed yeah. with the, the single player aspect of it. And uh, I remember people like messaging me on Twitter. It's like it's it's a multiplayer game. Review it as such. It's like no, because they have a single player aspect, and it kind of isn't great. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? But yeah, o- OXM went under shortly after that. <laughs> I'm You're sorry, the- everybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm the kiss of death to magazines. Death, right? Exactly. You're you're too you're honest. The, the Spider Woman. <laughs> Michael is the Black Widow. Yeah. They've run and shut down just as many magazines. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, anyway, is that it for new releases? Uh, I mean, there, there's another port that, uh, if you're into the Ease series, apparently one of the hmm. best Ease games, so Ease Memories of Calcutta, which was a Vita exclusive, is now available on PS4. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's... If you nice. would are, were ever curious, now you can try it out easier than ever. Uh, you don't have to dig out your Easier Vita. than ever. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. He, did it. he did that. Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, let's jump ahead, too. the best news transition sound ever yes it is (laughs) omg you guys can you believe the huge reveals in the sony ps5 event that happened well it it's already happened by the time you listen to this but it has not happened by the time we're recording this so we can only speculate what they're going to show um Mm -hmm. i I cannot believe there's a new omega boost and (laughs) uh Well, I mean, my thing is, I I am floored that they're going to give us all of that power for two ninety nine. Yeah, two hundred ninety nine U.S. dollars. Uh-huh. Right. I did not expect Jet Moto Cross Destruction Derby. Uh-huh. I never saw that. I one didn't coming. expect them to bring back the Purple Polygon Man. Yeah, yeah, or that that port of Wiggle Waggle where you just take blocks away until you see nipples mm-hmm. on that woman in the background. <laughs> yeah. Ridge Amazing. Ridge Racer 2020 with Murder Ridge Hornets, Racer. <laughs> it is weird that Game Pass is going to work on PS5. That's it's a, it's a bold move. Yeah, on Sony. Yeah, yeah. seems inappropriate. You know, they are all friends. Yeah, none of this is true. Yeah, and that, that its controller will have the COVID vaccine in it. That's fucking. <laughs> that's, that's a crazy. That, that's, yeah, it's how to get it. Yeah, that's that's, that's 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 the only way you'll be able to get the vaccine. It's Obviously, exclusive. This is all just conjecture. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll talk about it next week. Um, IGN has kicked off their summer of gaming event, which again, by the time 
We've recorded this. They've only done day one, but uh, day one had some fun reveals. I wouldn't say anything too huge or earth-shattering here, uh, but we can kind of go down the list. Come now. Uh, there's a new Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX remake coming out. Sweet. So it's it's a recreation of the Sega Master System original. Um, that That's so crazy to me that uh, that they dug that deep into the well. Uh, to bring something back because you know like how many people how many people remember that game like you know obviously i remember that game but i'm old also me i'm you know? also old right I, right I, I i don't i'm only speculating but we did a, a show on laser time uh a while back what was it called like mascots failed and forgotten mm. and like alex kid spent you know the better part of a decade being the mascot for sega so if you were right. a sega fan you, you you might have. I was a Sega fan, but I didn't, I never liked those games ever. No. How many were there? There were three. I think there's like four. There was like one every eight months yeah. for a, a couple hmm. of years. I, I, even I don't know how many there are. Like I remember Alex Kidd in Shinobi World, Alex Kidd in Miracle right. World. There was like a couple there's on like the four Genesis. Or five. Yeah. yeah. But so uh, another platformer uh, announced there is a uh, Demon Turf, which is a 3D platformer that includes uh, sprites for the characters. Look kind of cute. Um, mm. Mortal Shell was a Souls-like that they showed off. That's very a, Souls-like. Very, very, yes. yes. And the, the developer was like, we love Souls-likes. And I'm like, yes, I can tell. Um, <laughs> uh, there is a Observer uh, remake called System Redux uh, that is uh, coming to next-gen platforms. Uh, it's going to have a lot of next-gen upgrades. It's a remake of the 2017 uh, horror game of uh, Observer. Um, and then the okay, so I'll get to the biggest news for me. Then we're gonna get to the biggest news for Chris. Um, they showed off a lot more gameplay from Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I am excited. The turn-based combat stuff uh, I never thought would work in a Yakuza game, and it looks really cool how they're doing it. They showed off a kart mini game, like the straight up Mario Kart in Yakuza. Uh, there is a Pokemon like monster collecting mini game in the game because the uh, your guy you play Ichiban uh, number one, um, and he's a, he's a nerd. He's he's kind of mm. he's an otaku, right? And so yeah, a retro part, gamer. I think they identified. Yeah. Him as. So you, so part of this game you're collecting uh, their version of Pokemon, um, and then they they'd shown this before, but it was really cool to see. This one is not based in Kamurocho. It's based in Yokohama. And the map is, they're saying, is three times bigger than Kamurocho. It's it's a huge map. And that is very cool and very exciting. So as someone who has been playing through the Yakuza games, uh, just about to wrap up Kiwami 1, head into Kiwami 2, and I just bought Judgment, I am stoked for like a dragon. It looks fun. Hmm. You, you know, the thing, the thing I love about the Yakuza games is... They play it straight while wearing, uh, you know, big floppy clown feet and, yeah, a, yes. and a honking nose. <laughs> There's literally a character that wears a clown face and a clown nose that gives you items. <laughs> the Bob, mm-hmm. Bob the clown guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it, it, like the entire, the, you know, that's an analogy for the entire game series. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't, like, they just don't give a shit about, like... Just bringing those two, like, just it's it makes the the like the real serious parts of that game 
even more absurd yeah. mm-hmm. because it's all of this absurdity that's yeah. piled on. Well, it's that. like it's 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 like a Skyrim thing almost, where it's like the campaign is one thing, and then all the side missions are something completely different. So in the case of Yakuza, it's like the campaign is always this deadly serious crime story, and then all the side missions are just like the most bizarro shit you can imagine, like. Helping a woman become confident enough so that she can be a dominatrix. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or in Zero, you, you buy a kid a porno mag. Do yeah. not do that in real life. Should I do this? <laughs> hmm. It's such a rite of passage, though. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or, or racing slot cars with little kids and spending tons of money on the parts yeah. to, to do really well with and, it. And I think one of my favorite characters, I mean, I love Kiryu, but the guy who exemplifies that the most is Goro Majima. Who's just like mm-hmm. batshit insane, but it, because of that, he can be insanely dangerous and turn yeah. against you and fucking stab you. Like, but I, I think if I have one problem with Yakuza Zero, it's that it never really explains how Goro goes from like being this extremely cool, competent guy to being like the mad dog. Other than saying, like, this is just a persona he's adopted. He's really actually very smart. I literally said that on a stream last night. I'm like, so they try to explain it, but it's it feels really rushed. It's like, okay, he's this suave motherfucker with a ponytail, and he's cool. And then by the time you get to Kwame 1, he's po- literally popping out of manhole covers with his dagger and his teeth stalking you. Mm-hmm. And the, the, there's a one-minute explanation. It's like, well, he met these crazy characters along the way in Zero that really inspired him because they didn't give a fuck. So he said, I'm going to live my life like those guys and not give a fuck. But there was no, like, one character moment where y- you see him realize yeah. that. It's just like, uh, he just shows up in the snakeskin jacket and, and the guy goes, hey, what happened? What's with the jacket? He goes, oh, I just realized this is, I want to live my life more like those guys. They didn't get, they didn't give a shit. And it's like, wait, what? Like, this whole game, so you just <laughs> could have observed that. Fuck you. I've been playing this for, for 80 hours. You could have mentioned this sooner. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, very excited for that. And but this is the news Chris will be excited for. So uh, One Up announced a bunch of new arcade, arcade machines. One yeah, One Up Arcade, uh, not not One Up the website, the dead website. Um, and so I will, I'm going to build. I'm going to build to the things I think you're most excited for, Chris. So first off, they have a Miss Pac-Man cab that includes Miss Pac-Man. No. That's one of the things I'm most excited oh, nice. about. And, and, and for some reason, everyone thought it was going to be impossible because the rights to Miss Pac-Man have been a little bugaboo. Mm. I know. It's got Galaxian, it's got Pac-Mania, and Pac-Man Plus on there as well. So Yeah, wow. Pac-Man Plus is fucking terrible, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't look forward <laughs> yeah, to that. Yeah, but, like, Miss uh, Pac-Man, Pac-Man is like pretty technically good. a pirate game, and it's one of the best sequels of all time. Yeah, and the, but the cabinet, the look of that cabinet, if you think of it as a piece of a thing, a piece of art in your house, the blue mm. and pink and yellow is so, so gorgeous. Garish, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, I love it's it. an yep. addiction. I'm seeing an addiction. To I, I am seeing this. Yeah, this is truly a hobby. <laughs> no, no, thing. I just I have two. And You're going like, to collect them all. I, I'm, I modded one to play uh, a bunch of uh, arcade uh, games and I modded the other to play racing games and flight games. And they only cost me $100, so I cannot imagine paying whatever these people want upon release. And then you're going to buy TNN Pro Buckfucker. And, but uh, I need a good vert cab um, vert for your cab. vert, your flight shooters oh, and nice. your Donkey Kongs. And, your, and, and like the, the screens are orni- oriented differently. So like I am looking at that Miss Pac-Man with lust in my face. I, I really kind of want it. Mm. So, so this is the one that's a little wonky. They're kind of pulling the same thing that Game Gear did with Micro. There are two X-Men slash Street Fighter cabinets that contain two of the same games and then two 
unique games. So unless you mod them, you're going to have to buy them both. So there is the X-Men vs. Street Fighter cab that includes X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of Superheroes, and then X-Men Children of the Atom and X-Men Mutant Apocalypse. But then there is a Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of Superheroes cabinet that includes the Marvel Superheroes War of the Gems, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, X-Men vs. Capcom Clash of Superheroes, and Marvel Superheroes vs. Street Fighter. So yes, they already had a cab with Children of the Atom and Marvel Superheroes on it. So this is already splitting hairs. Wow. And the only thing I could think of, the only thing, and I don't have the data, um, and I know of, I know of, a, I know of one person who made the transition from a company I used to work for to Arcade 1-Up, but X-Men fans were pretty bummed by Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. So if you are an X-Men fan, it is really neat to see official art that big and that bold. Yeah. And it would be that'd be a really cool thing to have in your house. However, that Marvel vs. Capcom sh- machine is a thing of beauty. It, you'd be an idiot to choose <laughs> the, the other one. Uh, Especially if so you can pretty. mod it so that, that you art. have the same games on. Whatever. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Well, the one you can't mod, though, uh, this is, to me, the coolest. I'm going to skip over the Big Buck Hunter cap, because is anyone thrilled about Big Buck Hunter? Well, hold on. Hold on. That might be the most interesting, because, like, I was only excited. How does that work? I, uh, I don't know, actually, because... Tiny gun. Yeah, it's a light gun. How would that work? Right. I They've don't... got two light guns on that cabinet. I don't and know. And the cabinet is like three feet high. It's it's Arcade 1-Up's first light gun cabinet, and I'm not considering doing this at all yet, but like, if you were to mod that, you would then have a light gun main yeah. machine. Yeah. Right. And that could be amazing. You could play Lethal Enforcers in Area 51. And Time Crisis, mm-hmm. and Virtua Cop, and all this other police academy. You're wasting your, t- you're wasting your time if Revolution X is yeah. not the first game. Oh, wait. <laughs> Why would I do that when I got Big Buck Safari Outback? Come on, fellas. Uh, no, but this, so yeah, there's four of those Big Buck Hunter games on that, but it is it is the fact that it's Light Gun is pretty cool. But to me, the coolest is the Marvel Pinball Cabinet that is a little mini pinball machine. They collaborated with Zen Studios, and it's digital pinball on this like long, stretched-out monitor where where your pinball table would be, which, as anyone who has ever collected a pinball table would tell you, don't get a mechanical pinball table. That's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, it'll constantly break, take up too much room, and this is about three-quarters of the size Yeah, and with, with beautiful art and a pinball, a pinball game that sadly never actually existed, yeah. but with a bunch of cool... Sh- Marvel shit going on in there. Yeah, it actually comes with 10 uh, pinball games that never existed. It comes preloaded with 10 Marvel tables. Um, I don't know if this was ever mass-produced. I'm assuming you guys at some point in your game journalism careers went to the Telltale offices, right? Yes. Did you ever see that little... They had a Zen pinball uh, mini digital table for Walking Dead that's very similar to what this is. But I don't know if that was ever released publicly or if that was just like a Telltale thing. No, so that was was part of the... uh, Zen Studios, like their pinball uh, games. I actually own that game on my Zen pinball, whatever, uh, whatever they call that. Oh, um, uh, Zen so, pinball yeah, FX, yeah. pinball FX. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so pinball they effects, yeah. in the Telltale offices, they had created a, a straight up pinball table out of that very similar right. concept with like just kind of a little mini digital version of the game with it with a super stretched out kind of like if you took your computer monitor and turned it on its side. Uh, that's kind right. of what the the game board looks like. But um, yeah, to have a mini pinball machine that's not going to break every uh, few hours on you at home, and it's it's Marvel themed. So I think that's. That's really, really cool. I'm glad that they're branching out of just like classic cabs and they're trying crazy stuff like 
well, even we make fun of Golden Tee, but even that Golden Tee cab they have that has the trackball and stuff like that, like that's I'm, fun. I'm in like nine of these modding groups now, and these arcade people do not see a diff- the difference like I do in Golden Tee from real games. Hmm. It's just something arcade fans think is fun as fuck. Yeah. Hmm. Same with Big Buck Hunter, I think. I don't know. I've only played it drunk. Well, they, they're they're very much they're very popular. <laughs> so is everybody else? Yeah. yeah. Go, Golden Tea <laughs> is like the bar machine. Uh, you know, that's that's in there right. forever ago. So, yeah. But right. that's uh, that's everything that uh, IGN was announcing. Um, they they kind of listed the schedule for the next few days. I don't know, Michael. Do you want to try to pick out any any gems from the schedule? It's really tough to see what they're announcing because a lot of things are just labeled like unannounced exclusive game reveal but some of them they should have said here's what we're showing you know mm-hmm. um i'm, I'm kind of looking through this though and there's nothing that is announced on their schedule that i'm like oh that's a huge exclusive and you gotta tune in for that um yeah they're just kind of going down the stuff on the 11th and 12th uh, it's you know it's cool stuff but it's a lot of its existing games already out there um, and, but there's not even that many. Uh, here's this unannounced game that we're showing that we can't. We can only li- label as unannounced game reveal. There's only like four or five of those all week. So it's it's kind of trying to be E3, but I think what we're seeing is this is not as big a week as E3 would have been. Like, well, I'm sure this is like this is sort of what they would have been doing during yeah, E3. With this is this is the restaurant show. you go to when prom is canceled. <laughs> but it's right. that's the thing is is their stage show was always very much kind of a sideshow at E3 to yeah. the convent to the to the and big now it's the main stage because there's no E3. But but my expectation and I think a lot of people's expectation was oh IGN will then get some of the bigger stuff because it is the main stage and so far that hasn't happened. It seems like most of the publishers are keeping the big stuff to themselves or even the first parties like now nah, we'll, we'll we'll announce it it just won't be that week, you know. Well, I think I think that stuff will come. I think what we'll what we'll wind up seeing is that during the course of this summer, that uh, the IGNs, the Polygons, the uh, the game uh, spots of the world, and not the stops of the world, will have after the the studios or the publishers make their big announcements on their own on their own platform, that they'll wind up going and doing basically a press run. They'll do the circuit to show. The similar things and have the the talking heads from the respective uh, public, you know, journalism companies talk and ask them questions about their particular games. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm. So, yeah, um, who knows? By the time you're hearing this, there could have been a shit ton of really big stuff revealed by IGN, or definitely do that PlayStation event is going to be where it's at, and there's going to be lots of big reveals there. But uh, in the meantime, um, Bungie revealed a lot of stuff for Destiny Two. It, can we just drop the two now and just say they've revealed it for Destiny at this point? Like it's it's, it's such a bummer. It's such a bummer. Activision made them do that. Should have just been Destiny: The Frozen Throne, <laughs> the Burning Crusade. Yeah. Destiny, 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 wait for Stadia. Yeah. <laughs> so they they uh, they revealed the new season, Season of Arrivals, which which launched this week. You can go play that now, and you're fighting. The big threatening pyramid things that you've seen mm. in, in some previous uh, Destiny expansions. And then they showed like the next three expansions. The next one is called Beyond Light. 
Uh, that arrives September 22nd. It's going to let you explore Europa. Uh, the Icy Moon, I believe, was in 2010. Wasn't that based on Europa, the movie? Yeah. Didn't they uh, say, like, you know, all other worlds are yours. Don't touch Europa. There you go. And so, of course, we immediately had to land there. Um, yeah, so you'll you'll be going to a moon of Jupiter uh, to fight Aramis, a fallen Kel, who's attempted to amass an army of her own on Europa. It's going to have a raid, which is awesome. I, I understood amass an army of her own, but yes. uh, the rest was gibberish. <laughs> uh, it does introduce a new subclass elemental power called Stasis. So there you go. And then um, they also showed off some of the upcoming expansions for next year. Uh, the next big one in 2021 is called The Witch Queen. Uh, and then Lightfall is coming in 2022. So yeah, they, they basically just laid out the roadmap. Um, and this is all Destiny 2 still. They, they did say one of the bummers. There's no Destiny 3 on the horizon. This is all big stuff coming to 2. Um, but because of that, they did show how a lot of the stuff in 2, it's going to work. Uh, all the smart delivery stuff. Like if you've been playing on your Xbox, I think the assumption is you'll be able to access all the same content if you upgrade to a series x and all that stuff so i mean i think i think it, i think i switch platforms and because of your destiny a bungee account you can take everything with you you can't take the add-ons with you yeah. so okay. i yeah so i um was was a destiny 2 launch player um and then kind of fell out of favor i think i had the season pass so um, so once the first season was over, I just kind of fell off. And then um, I'm a Stadia founder. So I was going to get back into Destiny 2 with Stadia. And, you know, with Stadia 2, you, I mean, or with Destiny 2 on Stadia, you got the whole shebang. And yep. and I started playing on Stadia and then tried to go back to my Xbox with, uh, with the cross save. But then none of my content was available. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and you uh, still yeah, have it. It like shows up in your inventory, but they'll like block stuff out. Like, yeah, you can't right, can't use right. this gun or whatever. Um, right. So just to clarify how this is going to work, they did confirm you'll be able to upgrade to the next gen versions at no extra charge. Um, and then they even said there's going to be intergenerational crossplay, so meaning people on the PS4 and PS5 are going to be able to play against each other in the Crucible. Why would you torture yourself with the Crucible? Uh, and then same Xbox One and, and Series X people. And they did confirm Xbox and PlayStation crossplay is still in the works. Uh, so that's still happening eventually. So, right, what are, you, are you going to get back in, Matt? Oddly enough, yes. You bring that up. So um, TL was like, should I be playing I'm Destiny? And I'm like, you should most definitely be playing Destiny. We should play it together. So I'm... I think I paid for one of the expansions that's like I just haven't been using and I think the way it works is if I play and redeem the season pass like I, I can get the season content without having to pay again so I think I have like basically unused money that I should be playing I, I should just go in and, and check it out again it just seems like the perfect thing to play right now with not a lot of big time consuming shit around like yeah dive back into destiny I do need my side piece game, like because I've been doing a lot of JRPGs, which take up plenty of time. But I'm like, I kind of just need that game that I can fall back on, and I don't need to worry about story and plot or anything. So that's probably going to be the one. Um, but that's an old game. Let's not talk about old games. Uh, or let's talk about some independent games. Something I just wanted to to raise to the community's attention if they haven't already seen it. Um, and I'm just going to tell you, go buy this. Sight unseen. Yeah. Don't worry about what's in it. Uh, Itch.io released a bundle called the Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality. As of this recording, there are over 1,500 games and experiences in this thing. Oh 
God. It costs five dollars. Um, and, <laughs> and there's some they big raised almost five million. Almost, they're almost sorry, at five million dollars. Yeah, they're at four and a half million. And we're not talking. I mean, there's definitely some very indie things in here, like more like I'd call them like digital toys than games. But there's mm. some heavy hitters: Night in the Woods, Minute, which I loved, Oxenfree, Quadrilateral Cowboy, yes. Celeste, oh, 2064, yeah. Read Only Memories. Um, there, this, these are all in there. Even if you own those, just buy them. Um, and I think they're DRM free. Like you're basically just downloading like executable files. Yeah. And you can pay more. I paid sixty bucks for it, even though I only had to pay five. There you go. Yep. So you Yay only have me. to pay five. Everyone all your money me. is split between the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and Community Bail Funds. So it's going to good places. Just go buy it. You know, honestly, it's it's worth it uh, and supports a great cause and supports indie developers who. Um, kind of related news like a lot of these indie developers don't normally participate in bundles because they end up being like a really bad deal for them like they barely get any money and it's so great just to see so many developers like you know what i don't need to make any money off this yeah include my thing there's there's people that were not selling their games on itch.io <laughs> that had to figure out how to get their games on the itch.io platform so that they could be included in this bundle that's how eager developers were to be included in this which is really cool but instant game library for five bucks. Yeah, and it supports I, I'm a good seeing cause. a game, Cat Lateral Damage, which I almost bought the other day, a VR game where you play as a cat. I think it was like $10 Yep. on PS4 VR. You own it now. And You can play it wow. now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you have it. Um, well, not with my PSVR. So that is all the news that is fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to our community segment, which is always is segmenting the community. Uh, we had written... Uh, What's the best Game Gear game? Matt, you wrote this down as, are there any good Game Gear games? Cicero, do you have any experience with that platform? Oh, no. Um, No, not, no. I always wanted that when I was a kid, but... I I thought you said the Engage. Oh, God, no, there aren't any Engage games. Nokia's Nokia's, uh, Taco Phone. Yeah. No, uh, I have a, I have a, like I got into it, like the, one of the very first E3s that I went to, I actually got into an argument with a developer on the shuttle to the show because like I had played, uh, Crash Team Racing on the N-Gage and like my immediate thought was like, this is super stiff. I feel like every clicky movement of the control pad, mm. like I press it and I turn slightly and this is just miserable and I, I I don't know why I was complaining about this to some random guy, but he said like, "But what if it's so it, it it's a lot easier for developers to develop for that platform, and if they're just learning, then you know they they can uh, use that as a as a way to sort of test this out, and it's very easy to develop for." It's like, but I don't want to play something just because it's easy to develop for. Like, yeah. I don't know. I put a smart thermostat in my house. In less time than it took me to swap out cartridges. On <laughs> well, that was such a misguided thing because they thought like, well, European cell phone users have no problem with swapping out their SIM cards. So let's make them do that just to pop in a new game. <laughs> yeah, they have no problem inhaling each other's cigarette smoke. <laughs> it's America. It used, it used to be. Yeah. I can't believe we're equating the Game Gear with the N-Gage. Come on. You can't. No, no, you no, can't no. You know. Well, we're going off on a tangent because none of us have anything yeah, to say about Game Gear. Except for our listeners, uh, including Laser Time Rules, who says... 
Uh, Chris Trippin, there's a lot of good Game Gear games that aren't ports. Tales Adventures comes to mind. The X-Men games. Axe Battler. Uh, I remember Axe Battler is like being a... It was a Golden Axe spinoff. That was just like a side-scrolling platformer, like action RPG kind of thing. Mm. And I, I only remember it because it was like in those like EGM spreads that I used to see. And it's like, if I ever get a Game Gear, I'll play this game. Didn't they make a port of Afterburner for uh, the Game Gear? Probably. I think so. Yeah, mo- most of the first-party Sega stuff ended up there in some form or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it should have been called the C minus Sonic machine, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so the 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 only thing I remember about the Game Gear, um, which was also the thing that I remember about the Turbo Graphics uh, portable, whatever Turbo they call that, Turbo Express, was that you had to buy out your local drugstore's AA batteries yes. in order to play <laughs> yeah. for yeah. three hours. Pretty much that and the Lynx and any any color portable in the 90s. Yeah. 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 You had to get a yeah. cigarette lighter adapter for your parents' car. Mm-hmm. We're acting <laughs> right. like the Switch, the not the new model that you got to see the serial number. The, the, the Switch battery life is only like three hours on some games, too. So mm-hmm. it's not... Uh, oh, yeah. Now you, oh, 100%. You had to plug those in, which completely defeated the point, unless... Unless the point was, I'm going to play video games in bed and my parents can't stop me. (laughs) I better use this porno magazine to cover the light so they don't see it. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't see me playing Sonic Triple Trouble. Spencer Furness says, hey guys, the best Game Gear game is Power Rangers, which is genuinely fun beat-em-up uh, in bite-sized fashion. The sprites are colorful, and you know where everything is. The music was close enough to the show, and as a child of divorce, it was the game and system that helped me through childhood trauma. The battery oh, life man. sucked, but I had a car and wall adapter, which meant I could play uh, a handheld video game in the car when being ferried between parents. Black Lives Matter. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. go, Spencer. Let me just slide that All in right. there. Yeah. I yield my time. Right. <laughs> Suck my dick. I yield my time. You forget how he, he didn't then close. He realized he had a few more seconds. He goes, choke on my dick. I yield my time. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, it was, it was a thing of beauty. I am, I've never been prouder of my home city of Los Angeles than within that guy. Because that was a, a Zoom call with with the police chief, right? In LA? Chief, yes, yeah. yes, oh, yes. So good. Yeah, Michael, Michael Moore, the famous film director. I don't know why I <laughs> yes. watched that clip so many times. Oh, man. Uh, Greg Moore, speaking of Moores, a friend of the show, Greg Moore says, Hey, I'm really proud of you guys for doing this episode and grateful for Travis's voice on the show. By the way, Trav, I know from my Capcom days what it's like to be the thing, or to like the thing that everyone else thinks is lame, so you just shine on and keep repping Sonic and Tails. A bunch of Capcom employees, and I somehow was the only one who liked God Hand, Monster Hunter, for a while anyway, or Strider NES, Grumble Grumble. Anyway, that said. NES. That said, Strider NES was the greatest game. It was great. It was a different yeah. game, completely than the arcade, but it was a good game. Anyway, right. he says, I'm with Chris on the Game Gear thing. 100% of my experience playing Game Gear was at the orthodontist's office. They put me in braces <laughs> at age seven. Nearby. All I remember was the screen being so blurry anytime there was motion that I could barely tell what was happening. Then the doc would show up, take a gross-tasting mold of my teeth, light- tighten my wires, and crack some adult Jewish humor to my mom, also Jewish, while I was writhing in agony. The orthodontist 
Christmas was an hour from home one way. Those were awful days, but you know what? That's not why I hate the Game Gear, and I know it, because my ortho also had a Psycho Soldier cabinet, and that shit was pure fire. Holy shit. What? Your orthodontist was the coolest <laughs> one in the world. Yeah, what the fuck? I want to go see this Jewish doctor with a Psycho Soldier cabinet in his office. You suppose the receptionist just like still hears that like fine, fine, Soldier song in her head? Heck yeah. I know I do. Nick Turner says from the official Laser Time Facebook community mm-hmm. that you can be a part of yeah. too by just going to uh, Facebook. Uh, just look up official. Look for official Laser Time. Community yeah, on, on Facebook. Facebook. The easiest way to find it is Facebook. <laughs> Bitly. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook. Org. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Facebook.com. Yeah, pretty much. So f- from. From that community that uh, is so hard to find, Nick Turner says, "I talk shit about the Game Gear on a couple of uh, here a couple of times already, and I stand by that. The best games I played was Ren Hulk and Stimpy <laughs> Quest for the Shaven Yak. Um, okay, uh, it was a finicky platformer that I was only able to beat once." Years later, I was hanging out with a bunch of Mormons who coincidentally worked at the studio that made it, and we played laser tag in an unoccupied <laughs> floor of their office building, which was way more fun. Okay. What the fuck did I just no, read? Chris, I wanted to ask Chris, the reason I included this entry is I want to know why did they add the Hoek, and it's I couldn't do the uh, the yeah. O with the... Why, why so formal, Ren? Is, is so, <laughs> yeah, what was the deal? That like Was it a licensing issue where they just couldn't call it Ren and Stimpy Quest for the Shaven Yet? Maybe. I don't know. Didn't have the Nickelodeon branding? I, I mean, it's it's straight up them. It's not like, you know, bastardized versions of Ren and Stimpy or mm. anything. It's it's them. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Well, how, uh, did Morm- how did Mormons work on that game? <laughs> right. There's a lot of fun. They, they, they work on all their games. Man, um, listen, this, uh, this comment is way too short for the information that was put in there. <laughs> I'm so... I have so questions. many questions. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. All right. Well, Matthew Schultz says, Earthworm Jim, Doug Tenapel may be a garbage human being, but I rented that game so many times and have great memories of it. And I thought the Game Gear port was very solid. Would not know. I can't hmm. even imagine. I wouldn't play the Genesis port of Earthworm Jim if it would save my mother's life. <laughs> oh. So I can't imagine what the Game Gear port looks like. <laughs> Uh, Jesse Moore says, I had a Game Gear growing up. I loved slash hated it. I couldn't bring it anywhere because the screen looked like shit outside and the batteries would run out in 30 minutes. That being said, I did play the hell out of it at home with the power adapter. I think I played Star Wars and Mortal Kombat the most. So my pick is one of those. As for worst, Tasmania was pretty much dog shit. Hmm, I can buy it. No, you can't buy it. Love you shouldn't buy it. Super well, Nintendo I can believe Tasmania. it. That's what I mean. <laughs> Don't buy that game. Y'all remember Tasmania? His dad talked like Ben Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Atkinson says, uh, The Game Gear had a Master System converter, so you could uh, plug in your MS carts. So my favorite Game Gear game is every Master System game. It also had the TV tuner. I forgot about that. That is some Stockholm Syndrome bullshit. Like, if you were... If you were just, if you owned a Master System, I felt bad for you. If you owned a Game Gear and then had to buy the Master System converter, like, 
I am so uh, sorry about your childhood. Yeah, you weren't doing much better. <laughs> but but then if you if you also had a Game Gear with a Master System converter and the TV tuner, yeah, uh, yeah, you, like you have trade in value for a used Game Boy. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Well, well, Kobe Johnson says, while it's not the best Game Gear game, I have a soft spot for Bart versus the Space Mutants. Ugh. I was a huge, I was a huge Simpson fan, Simpsons fan, and and so of course I gravitated towards it. I'm honestly not sure if I've ever beaten the first level, and from what I've heard, it's probably not worth revisiting. <laughs> It's one of those games, I remember making my way at least like two-thirds of the way through it and looking back on it, and I was like, how did I do that? It's unplayable. You should watch watch <laughs> Dave play it, because it's it's one of those games that's like, it doesn't tell you what it wants you to do yeah, very at all. well. And, uh, but if you, the first level is like, this is actually pretty neat. You're vandalizing things the right way to save mm. the Springfield from aliens, and the second level is garbage platforming, and that's all it is from there on out. Yeah. Like, nothing clever, nothing. What neat. you guys sometimes forget when we say that, like, how did I, how did I do this, and why, it's such terrible design, how could they assume that someone would take the time to figure it out? Well, I think we're always forgetting the one thing we had an abundance of at that age. We had Youth? the luxury time? of time, and, uh, and usually right. we didn't have, you know, uh, budgets to buy a lot of games, so once you owned a game, it's like, shit, I guess I'm playing this for the next 40 right. to 100 hours, and I will figure out all the secrets, because right. what else am I going to do with this thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like getting getting a girlfriend at summer camp on the first week. <laughs> um. Yeah? Yeah? So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm? yeah. And by the way, that on bonus time this week, Adam and I have talked way too long about, for some reason at our age, we are both trying to get good at Donkey Kong, and I don't know where that came from you because you you want uh to beat Steve yeah you, got, you want Weeby's yeah, title I, or what yeah. not not good right. I just I really like it and like understand it and it's hardest it's very hard the, game uh, and I love it so last year at Gen con I met uh who's the villain who's the villain Billy guy? Mitchell Billy Mitchell, yeah. Billy Mitchell. Mm. Yeah. yeah so I got to I got I took a picture with Billy Mitchell um where he was in his uniform and uh, also hawking his uh, hot sauce, his and hot sauce, his hot sauce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mullet. I mean, that's part of his I was uniform. Say, his uniform, which is just his, his, his hair and an American flag tie. That's the uniform, pretty much. Uh, that that is the uniform, yeah. and that is the picture that I have. I'll send it to you guys. <laughs> Lovely. That's how the so, president sees himself. That's <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, we have yeah. one video response from Red Rock Nine Six Three, who says. Hey, VGA, it is Red Rock 963, and I just wanted to thank you guys for such an amazing show last week. Um, oh, thank you. Tail Foster, you're amazing, and learned a lot from you from the show this week, and this kind of stuff is exactly why you guys are my favorite podcast, and I am proud to be a listener of you. But <clears throat> that's actually not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about my favorite, well, the best game here game. Because I thought about being trite and showing off my favorites, Shining Force <laughs> and Sonic Triple Trouble. But oh, no, we nice. need to talk <clears throat> about the best game gear game. Poker Face Paul Solitaire. I don't know if oh you can God. see that. There, my <laughs> screen is pretty dull. Nice. Who's ever been on a 13-hour road trip from um, Wichita, Kansas to Biloxi, Mississippi? Yeah, oh, in a pretty smartphone age, this... 
fucker is what kept me occupied for that entire hellish road trip. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I had a car, I got some of my Game Gear stuff somewhere, but Solitaire Game, that is how you stay occupied in a pre-smartphone world. And that being said, I'm probably am going to pick up that one Game Gear Mini with all the Shining Forces because I love Shining Force that much. Anyway, thank you guys for an excellent show and being excellent people, and I hope you guys have a good week. Thank Poker you. Face Paul A. is right, the worst right. mascot I've ever heard of, and like, I mustn't reveal my solitaire hand. Maintain, <laughs> Paul. Maintain. That sounds like a fake game that like, would have been on The Simpsons. Like, they would just have made that shit up. I looked it up. There are four games. <laughs> <laughs> As many as the Game Gear Micro, or game, yeah, Game Gear Micros are offering. I wish I could report not one poker game, but there is one. Oh man, that would be the cruelest joke of all. Is just flash that game on the firmware of each of those uh, Game Gear Micros as the only game, and then sell that on eBay. Like here you go, you've got the complete set. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could load that game in a fucking AirPod. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, so the best the best part of that video, Red Rock is awesome. The best part of the video was uh, she showed two games, and her cat could not be any any more interested. The second she started talking about solitaire, the cat stopped licking itself <laughs> to stare at the camera to figure. Oh, oh, you're talking about the game? That's the shit, eh? Oh, okay. Let's do it. Uh. New question of the week in honor of our top five and our special guest. Uh, what is your favorite Dungeons and Dragons setting? This is, of course, assuming that you are somehow familiar with it. Um, I I love the Forgotten Realms. I have always and will always have a soft spot for Kryn, the setting for Dragonlance, uh, because I think reading those first, like the was it the Chronicles of the Dragon? The, the the that trilogy of novels that are kind of like the entryway into Dragonlance is they're a big part of what got me into Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, that that has always been kind of a, a very whimsical and fun setting from my point of view. Like I, as a kid reading those stories, loved the the candor, the the sort of like. Well, they're like halflings, but they have pointy ears, and they are just really mischievous kleptomaniacs. Um, yeah, they're fun, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Someone, someone else go. I know everyone thinks I'm going to go with the obvious because I'm a D and D novice. Oh, of course, yes. No, I'm not going to say I, no. My favorite D and D setting is not Middle Earth nor Narnia. It is <laughs> without a doubt Eternia. That is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Where you role play as He Man. Mm-hmm. You do have the power. Yeah. <laughs> Has there well, ever been uh, a He-Man tabletop game? And if if not, why not? That is true. Yeah. Somebody who cares and isn't an idiot could make a really cool universe out of that. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there would be. Then you know, who would wind up playing Orko? Mm. Um, that is mm. that's the question. I think Kristen um, Bell. She's, <laughs> she's, she's pretty short. <laughs> Start singing some damn songs. Yeah. Um, either either her or Anna Kendrick. Um, so uh, I guess my favorite setting uh, has probably got to be the setting where I was the DM for Rivals of Waterdeep season five. Uh, cheap cheap plug. Um, 
which is Avernus. Oh yeah, um, that first level of the nine yeah, hells. The hell. yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, the, there's so much that could go wrong. So much that will go wrong. Um, you know, like the 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 land is actively trying to kill you. It's like Australia. Hmm. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it. Um, so mine, I okay. If you have ever wanted to play D and D Castlevania. Then boy, do I have a module and a setting for you. Uh, it's kind of a cheat. It's not actually a real land. It's a pocket dimension, but Ravenloft. Ravenloft oh, is the yes. right, vampire yes. gothic horror setting for D and D. I think the original was from 1983, and then they they kind of they've released several updates to it. But um, basically, uh, Strahd the vampire is Bram Stoker's Dracula in many parts, in many ways. Um, it's it's a little bit of that mixed with Castlevania, and it's it's just really a really cool setting. The campaign itself, um, I played through the fifth edition one. It's really fun how they do it and kind of the nods they make to the old ones. But it's it's got this kind of air of mystery where you're trying to figure out what's happening, and there's occult stuff, and you're you're fighting, you know, all kinds of different. Think of your typical gothic horror monster movie stuff. It's D and D did that, and they did it really well. Uh, and, and men, and a lot of that stuff is just very iconic now. And so, yeah, Ravenloft is one of the most fun settings to play in and is, uh, definitely my favorite D and D setting. Also one of the, it, it's the setting for one of the worst D and D games of all time. Uh, Iron and Blood, Warriors of Ravenloft, the mm. strange Dungeons and Dragons fighting game. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, is it is it better than the Castlevania fighting game though? So so was it Ravenloft that ripped off the box art from Simon's Quest, or was it the other way around? Because those had very very similar yeah. box art. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Way back in the eighties. Yeah, the eighty the eighty three box art. No, not eighty three. Jesus Christ! How old do you think we are? <laughs> well, I mean, I've said the, the original Ravenloft, I think, was in 83, wasn't it? it was, was it? Yeah. I, I remember it coming out much later. No, there was a 1990 version that was the in the, in the black box set. But the hmm. uh, the setting itself, yeah, started in 83. Hmm. But it's, wow, okay. It's kind of this yeah. little pocket setting, and it's, it's, it's meant to be almost kind of a combo of a campaign and a puzzle, because you're... You have to defeat the Dark Lord in order to escape the dimension uh, and get out of there and go back to your main campaign. So what a lot of DMs will do, because you can kind of, and when I was playing through it, this happened, we were kind of mid-campaign. We had just beaten, let's call it a boss, and all of a sudden got swallowed up by some mists and then woke up and realized we were in Ravenloft. And so they'll often do that to kind of give you a mini break during your campaign, probably around Halloween time because that's the perfect mm -hmm. time to do it. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a real fun... It's kind of a mini campaign that doesn't take so long to get through that's a nice little uh, uh, detour for you. Yeah. I have to say I'm very impressed with the Forgotten Realms and just the layers of mythology that's gone into that. And mm -hmm. playing these games really helped me appreciate it. It's like this is the result of, like, decades of different writers collaborating on this stuff for source books, for novels, for all these things. And like, there's this very dense mythos. There are all these cultures and they really tried, I think in the late eighties, starting in the late eighties and early nineties to kind of try to bring some diversity to the world of Faerun with like, uh, Al-Kadim and, uh, Karatur, like these places that were inspired by, uh, well, like, thousand and one arabian nights and uh japan specifically but like bringing different flavors of medieval fantasy into the 
European medieval fantasy that was kind of cool. And also, like, I don't think I don't feel like Dark Sun gets enough love because that was just like it's like medieval Mad Max on a desert planet where everything sucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if, the, if yeah. there is a fantasy or sci-fi trope, you can bet that D&D has done it and has their own version of it. Uh, yeah. Right. It's right. one of the great mm-hmm. things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking, you know, speaking of Avernus, um, one of the things that uh, they they introduced to Avernus uh, this this time around was uh, these these hell cycles that are basically, it, you know, it's basically Mad Max um, and Infernal War Machines. Ooh. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're super cool. Uh, and you know, if you guys want to see them used in amazing fashion, again, I would say to, uh, check out Rivals look of Water Dips. Look at this. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, you know, they, I mean, they're basically, they're machines that run on, uh, the souls of, of the damned. And, uh, you know, it's very, they're very, very Mad Mask, Mad Max-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can tell uh, and you know immediately what uh, what the the writers were drawing inspiration from when they were creating. Can it. you like strap a tiefling with an electric guitar to the front of one of them? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I actually had a um, I think it was an Azamar uh, on the back of one with a with uh, two turntables. Oh, nice! And giant speakers. <laughs> and he was he was mixing as he was chasing our heroes. Nice, nice. I roll the oh. die. I roll again. <laughs> <laughs> Mediocre. Um, so that's uh, before we go into plugs. Uh, yeah, what's your favorite Dungeons and Dragons setting? Let us know. Go to Video Game Apocalypse and answer in the comments under episode three hundred and seventy-one. Alternately, you can hit us up on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. Or just ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will read the best answers on next week's show. Also, we we always encourage video responses. Just try to keep them under two minutes. Uh, anyway, that has been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Cicero, one more time, where can people find your stuff, especially Rivals of Waterdeep? So you can find uh, me on uh, all social media platforms at Stubby Stan, S-T-U-B-B-Y-S-T-A-N. And uh, you can find Rivals of Waterdeep on Twitter, Rivals at Rivals Waterdeep, and uh, Rivals of Waterdeep on Instagram. Uh, season 7 starts June 21st on Sunday at uh, noon central, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Uh, or 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. I got those backwards now. Uh, and, uh, stuff that you can see me in, uh, besides the Discovery Debrief podcast, you can find me on the Family of Incomparable podcast, uh, at The Incomparable on Twitter. Um, and also this week's, uh, DLC with Jeff Kanata and Christian Spicer. Uh, I was the guest on that show, so you guys can check that out, uh, at, uh, I think at 5x5 DLC. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Chris? Yeah, we got a uh, patreon.com slash laser time, a bunch of fun stuff for you this week. Uh, tried to make up for that gameless top uh, top five we did last week because that TL just ruined the show. <laughs> he saved the show. God I know, damn I'm on it. P- I'm on, I'm on PNB with him this we week. We were all fucking um, miserable and then he swooped in and saved us all. Yeah. To try and return the favor and didn't come close. Um, and But we did have an extensive 
really old school video game conversation on bonus time. I cannot get my friend Adam with Nintendo tattoos to play Super Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild. What? He hates them and refuses. <sighs> and you can see, listen to how infuriating it is. It is <laughs> to talk to him you about You can it. hear it in my... I'm telling you, I love that man, and I, I, I love Padukin, the, the bi-weekly arcade show that he hosts, uh, right out of the arcade now, And but uh, I want to strangle him, and I think he based his entire opinion on Super Mario Odyssey off of someone else's YouTube comment, no, because it makes no sense. <laughs> and uh, we have a new episode of Sig Star Wars, also with Adam. Uh, and Jeremy from TweakAlicious.tv. Mm. Oh, Cicero, a little bit of plug for you. I always ask you a Star Trek question. Yes. Um, guess what turns 30 next week? Uh, guess what turns 30? This is t- 2020. That would have to be Star Wars. I mean, Star Trek. I want to see if you do this. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If it's, it's not TNG, because TNG was 80. Hey, oh, I don't. It's it doesn't start. It's a, it's a finale. It's or something, a, isn't the it? season finale of TNG of, se- of season three, noted as the best episode ever by many many people of of Star Trek. Period. I've heard people say the best of both worlds. worlds. Yes, uh, part one, yeah. the big big not the Borg introduction, but sort right. of like the big Borg episode. Look at this, and <laughs> wow. and I uh, that and. Dude, we had the wackiest. Can you believe Gremlins Two, the new batch, and Dick Tracy came out on the same day? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh both my of those gosh. Mo- both of those movies are like like white privilege and cocaine stewed into a pot. <laughs> it's 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 such. They're both insane. Yeah, Gremlins Two is, terrible is very much is awesome. a cocaine movie. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that, both those are insane. Ring yeah. <laughs> in it. If you've, if you've ever seen, never <laughs> seen the, the Key and Peel uh, Gremlins sketch where them creating yes. the Gremlins to Gremlins, it is. We play a, It's in the movie. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Ooh, a Gremlin made out of electricity? Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking. Keep going. Uh, keep going. <laughs> and then Fantasia 2000, Titan AE, and Shaft. It was. It, that might have been my favorite release week we've ever covered. In addition to Toy Story 3 and Star Trek. So it's a big, big show. If you've never heard it before, it's celebrating anniversaries 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, Michael and Matt helped me out with the video game version over on Patreon where you discuss the the game anniversaries in depth. And uh, the May edition, which is late, but yeah. hopefully coming. Mm. I'm very hopefully. tired. And, uh, <laughs> listen to 30, 20, 10 to find out why. And, uh, and and I'm exhausted, but we will do that eventually. I promise. I am. Uh, I just let me get to bed. It's it's one o'clock. Here. Fair Jesus. enough. Fair enough. Um, so we were talking earlier about uh, T. L. Foster. I am on a, an upcoming episode of something. Chris was just on an episode of uh, Live from the Pool House. Is the P and B Podcast Network show all about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Where they're breaking down that show episode by episode. Um, so yeah, I am on an upcoming episode. Featuring uh, Isaiah Thomas, yeah. a man that was just featured prominently in The Last Dance, the Jordan documentary. So, uh, yeah, look out for that. Um, and then uh, other kind of a new plug for you. I'm on Twitch. I 
for some reason started wow. streaming on Twitch. Uh, so twitch.tv slash Maddie C. Allen, uh, which is the same place you can find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Maddie C. Allen. What are you streaming, man? Lately, I've been streaming Yakuza Kiwami, which I've been having a really fun time doing. Um, I'm just about to wrap up Kiwami 1, about to just transition straight into Kiwami 2. And I think I, I actually have a poll up there. If you go vote right now, you can decide if I'm going to be streaming XCOM Chimera Squad next or Shadow Shadowrun Dragonfall. I kind of want some turn-based tactics going on on the stream next. So go vote there. But yeah, check me out at uh, Maddie C Allen on Twitch and Maddie C Allen on the Twitter. And uh, I'd just like to give a shout out to uh, Schnazzy One on Twitter who uh, gave to Act Blue after listening to last week's show. Uh, thank you for doing that. I'm sure I was extremely drunk by that point and not promoting the charity well at all. So if you were able to find your way to, to donate to that, uh, good for you. Uh, I, I apparently promised some sort of prize, which I don't remember, but uh, I'll think of something. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, well, not good, but possibly mediocre. So uh, it's better than nothing. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, that's been our show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. will remember the heroes that are Minsk and Boo and you.